it's all good. All right, so so Bloodbath is next. Yes. With the track Eaten. Yeah, dude, this is like the, I feel like this song so, is the, is the inner Sandman of death metal. Okay, explain <laughs> that, please. <laughs> it's like, I, I want to know about this song <laughs> because to me this is. I feel like this because it it has a legit chorus. It does. Yes, it does. It definitely does. And it's it's catchy. It's it's uh-huh. this is as close to this is as digestible as death metal gets. That is the best possible way you could have described this song. <laughs> Episode fifteen recorded November fourth, twenty twenty one. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Good evening, Richard. So this is, what? what is today? The 4th. 4th. November 4th, uh, 2021. Remember, remember. The 4th the of November. 4th of November. <laughs> the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5th. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so if if my if I stick to my current sort of release schedule or how, how I've been releasing these, you guys should hear this or be hearing this around... I'm guessing like May 2023. I was going to say like 2031 or something. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> you're going to hear this on November 5th next year. So record um, five years worth of shows and then release them over the subsequent five years. Right. Yeah. So I, and then I'll, I'll go kick up. I'll go like prop my feet up somewhere. And they're like, man, that guy Richard is working. He's just putting out content all the time. It's like, nah, man. It's because I didn't put out anything for like 20 years. Because I was kind of scared and, and nervous and, and didn't know what the fuck I was doing for a long time. And then I looked at what other people were putting out. Yeah. It's like, oh. Like, oh. <laughs> I, have, I have nothing. It's way better than what they do. <laughs> this is, it's, a, it's at least not as bad. Or, I don't know. It's a, it clearly, clearly, there's lots of room. There's lots of room. There's lots of room, clearly. There is. Ah. Uh, it is a wide market. There you go. That's a way to, that's a way to put it. But um, I guess although I don't know, I don't know a lot about music podcasts, which is probably neither do I. I feel like that's probably something I should know something about <laughs> at this point. I don't think so. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I. I, I don't really think it should be a, a prerequisite. Well, <laughs> so. it shouldn't be. But you could you could look at it as you know knowing what that field is like, and just having having more knowledge or. You could look at it as keeping yourself untainted for, from what anyone else is doing. So, and not having to worry about keeping up with the all of the Joneses. This is my perspective on that. If you want to talk about that kind of stuff, is um, because you know, I tried, I tried starting a record label, uh, and I've had different bands. And and I tried really really hard with a uh, a band like Small Deal to make it legit, mm-hmm. whatever that means, right? You know, like let's do everything right so this can be a, a a a money so that this can be a thing that has the ability to grow and to you know lots of room for upward mobility, right? To find the audience and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and thinking about you know just spending so much time thinking about marketing strategies or this or that or whatever and and this is this is it is for for me this is where i'm at right now okay is 
you need to make the thing. And you need to put 90% of your effort into making the thing. <laughs> Whatever that thing is. That thing, that thing might be a record. It might be music. It might be doing live shows a certain way. You need, you put, put a lot of effort into manifesting, materializing the thing. And then once you've made it, once it's there, once it exists, oh, dude, this, oh, we're a good band. We sound good. We know how to play live. We sound good live. Now you can figure out how to sell it. Now you can figure mm -hmm. out, well, what is our, okay, it, we, we exist now. Like this band, this project, this whatever it is, it, it exists. Now we can try to find the target audience. But if you, for me, I think if you, if you spend too much, it's very easy. Hello. <laughs> uh um all right it's very easy to well, windows was trying to join the conversation there yeah. sorry it's very easy to get lost down those rabbit holes i think as a distraction of okay well i'm going to read all these uh music insider blogs and i'm going to read about um how to optimize streaming and and how to get on playlists and i'm going to you know i think it's very easy to it, it's because it's kind of tangible in a way like, Oh, well, I'm going to read all these music business books, these four music business books. I'm going to read all of them. That's there's a start. There's a beginning, there's a middle and an end. And, and whereas I'm going to write the best music that I can, that's very open and very, <laughs> right. How do you define that? How do you, and so I think it's very easy to sort of get distracted with some of that, you know, well, let me do market research and let me try to, let me look at the demographics and let me try to, try to sort of, okay, well, what is, what am I trying to do and how is that similar to, to other people? And, and who is my ideal, who's, who's my ideal listener or my ideal customer? What... You know, because these are these are when you read that kind of stuff, this is stuff they tell you. This is the stuff they're gonna say. They're gonna say sure. you need to be able to describe who you're trying to get your music to. Yep. You need to be able to say what kind of clothes they wear, you need to be able to say what kind of beer they drink, you need to be able to in and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. We have the concept of uh personas in our uh user experience research mm -hmm. at work. And we try to figure out exactly that. Like, we let's pick five archetypal people who are going to use what we sell and figure out how to build it best for them to do what they need to do. And it's exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's but not Jungian at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, uh, I, I only program for the shadow of the person. Yeah. Not, not yeah, the persona yeah. I themselves. I don't program for the actual person. Yeah. And I just... I mean, those are such different things. Like... That's why you have like a, you know, a marketer or a producer or whatever. And then that's not the musician. It's a different person. Right. Not that you can't do both or not that some people don't do both. Well, right. Right. Well, and, 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 and it will come to a certain point that you as a musician have to do that. You, you have to, because if you, if you lean into that idea too far, 
than which I've seen people do, which is like, look, I'm the musician. That's what I do. Yeah. I don't, you know, I'm supposed to do, you're supposed to do what you're best at. And I'm not good at marketing. I'm not good at these other things. I'm not good at promoting. So I need to just focus on what I'm doing and then I'll let someone else do, you know, like I'll find the right person to do that for me. I've seen, right. I've seen people try to take on that, that ethos. I think ethos is the right word. And, and they don't have six, they don't have success getting what they want with it because you're just, you're just, no one is going to do the work that you don't want to do for free. Oh no, not at all. And so, you know, I mean, like, when I say like it's it's two different things, it's just that you that's not typically the creative is not going to be best at focusing on that. Yes. Not that you shouldn't or can't have input on it or like an opinion on it because you probably really should. Right. Well, and and what I'm saying is when you have when you're a small scale artist, at some point you were gonna have to promote yourself. Yeah. You were gonna have to figure out. I don't give a shit how uncomfortable it makes you, or whatever. You're going to have to figure that out. You're going to have to figure out how, you know, how to do some type, some type of promotion, some type of social media or something. And, and then maybe at a certain point, if you're lucky, you can pass that shit off or, or if it's, or if it's worth it to you on, on the, on the front end, you know, then you pass it off immediately and you find someone that you can pay, you know. Right. That to, to, to handle your social media posts or to handle your what, like right from the jump, you know, there's probably like all sorts of things that, you know, you can do in that regard now. Uh, but, but yeah, your I street I, team, <laughs> your digital street team. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, like there's just a, um, I don't want to, how to say it. It's very easy to lose the script and the script is the priority is that you want to make good stuff. And if you, you know, don't, don't let, don't, don't spend like, don't get distracted making your marketing plan and forget to write a good song, <laughs> you know, that's just sound advice. So, yeah. And I think that it's very easy to do that because it's very scary to try to be vulnerable and express yourself authentically and sometimes it's a lot easier to learn about the biz yeah or whatever and so so in regards to music podcasts and how that relates to what i'm trying to do or what we're trying to do here right is that uh right now i'm just trying to focus on making the thing that i want to make and talk about the things that i want to talk about Mostly just, mostly just for my own joy, my own sort of edification. Yeah, my own process. Yeah, and then that's how I look at this. I look at this as I'm sharing my process, because these conversations that we have are really just extensions of the conversations we really have always had. Yeah, <laughs> for the past twenty years. Yeah, but I feel like it kind of ramped up in the pandemic a little bit, because I would. You know, I would call you every two to three weeks. Just be like, hey, what's up? And then we would have like a really cool conversation for like an hour and a half or two yeah. hours or whatever. And also, for I don't know, for some people, maybe hearing that it ramped up to every two to three weeks maybe sounds a little crazy. But 
It's not if you know Robert. Not if you know me, who fails to reach out to people at any time of the year. <laughs> uh. well, yeah, well, yeah, it's not even it's not even that you everyone has a different um like a baseline of, of, of social noise. Yeah. That is their comfort. And I feel like I feel like because this is sort of I think like the twelfth or the thirteenth one that that we that were recorded, and I feel like if I called you tomorrow and I said, "Hey, you know, I'm kind of done. I don't feel like I really need to do these anymore." <laughs> I feel like you would be all right, cool, man, and I don't think I would talk to you for a year and a half. <laughs> oh, let me go that far. You but stored I see up. What you're saying you stored up. You know, like you you've got like your your your. Your social hump. You're like a camel, and you filled it up, and you're good. It's so it, you don't know how real that is. Um, uh, shit, I was gonna say something there. I was gonna rebut you somehow, but I don't. Uh, good luck. Yeah, I guess. No, no rebuts here. Uh, if ands or rebuts. Um, yeah, that's uh. I don't, know. I don't know. Yeah, and and the 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 point was that these are the conversations we have anyway. Yeah. That now we're just putting mics in front of it and recording it and 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 putting it out and putting it out there and and then you know maybe at some point whenever I and and really another reason I'm doing I'm I'm, I'm doing it in this way is. I still don't really know what it is. Like I, this is the thing I'm trying to create, right? But I don't really know what it is yet. And mm-hmm. the process of doing it and then releasing it is going to help me figure out better what it is. And once I know what it is, then then I can decide how to how to market it or how to optimize its web presence. <laughs> Or it's yep. whatever, how to hack the algorithms, all but, that shit. If I care, if I decide to care enough to do that, and I'm, I very well might not. I might just do this for a for six months, for a year, and then be like, you know what? That's enough. I've said all the things I want to say. Maybe I'll do another one. Give me maybe in three months I'll have another thought, right? Where right. I'm not repeating myself, and <laughs> and I'll and, and and we'll fire up and we'll do one. You know, we'll blow the dust off of the SM7Bs here. Oh man! You know, like get the get the boom arms out of storage. <laughs> the microphone sat here and gathered dust. The boom arms went in storage somewhere. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know. And so, so yeah, like I don't. What the? It's becoming. Fuck. Becoming concerning. What the? All right, so we're back. We had to free up some space on the computer. (laughs) It was just. It was trying to let us know. I'm God. I'm suffocating. (laughs) Fucking rookie mistake over here. I'm still learning, guys. Like I was saying, I don't know what I'm doing yet. Yeah. Um, You stuffed it full, and it was trying to let you know it's choking. Um. Oh man, what I was gonna say earlier, I forgot about like. It's not so <laughs> – regarding me not uh, 
regarding me not contacting people or whatever the fuck, <laughs> you know, my, my social bandwidth, my social battery is an extremely real thing. But a lot of times I think it's not, I want to make a point to say that it's, I, it's a lot of times it's not me doing that. It's not me just being a fucking hermit, I, which I am, granted. Um, it is, a lot of times it's me like, I don't, I don't feel like I have anything absolutely vital to tell someone and I don't want to bother him. It's yeah. much more along the lines of that. Yeah, dude, that's that's bullshit, oh. Matt. That's bullshit masculine crap. That's bullshit. That's bullshit that like men do. I guess. Um I mean all people do it, but I feel like men are especially bad at doing mm. that kind of thing. And so um, And it's not even it's not that I don't want to tell people things or like there's something that I would want to get out but feel like I can't tell anybody. It's not even that. Yeah, no, it's like if I call someone, I need to have a fucking reason. Yeah. And that, if that's I have typically it. like I don't want to I don't want to fucking bother you for Right. And no if reason. I have my shit together as a person, then I have no reason to call you. Um, <laughs> okay. I don't I'm and, I, I see what you're saying. And if I am certain that you have your shit together, there's no reason for me to call you. And so that's and I'm not saying this is you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying this is kind of a, a easy, uh, like it, it's a it's a modality, a way of thinking that is easy to allow ourselves to fall into, and the the result is that we don't make an effort to meet our social needs. Yes. Uh, yeah, you're right. Because yeah. because we all have we we have social needs, and those social needs are the same as as the needs of your body of the need for food, right. the need for water, the need for air, the need for sleep, the need to socialize. And so you need to make a practice of it. Yeah. Uh, and when I say you, I mean me, these are, these are things I'm talking to a past version of myself. You're talking to me as well, <laughs> Well, because I'm taking it as that, whether I, you mean it or not. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't want to project that. Right. Uh, yeah. And so, because it's is totally it's totally okay to to call someone up and be like, hey, no, I just call and shoot the shit, and and then someone will be you know someone will be like, okay, cool, or they'll be like, well, I got to do a thing, um, can I call you sometime tomorrow or and then and then you and you just go down the list and you find someone else, right? And you know, I mean, that's what I do. That's that's what I do. That's probably know? a good thing to do because also. More often than not, the person you call is probably going to be like, oh, cool. They called me. That's cool. I like that. That's yeah, nice. like, yeah. Like think about how, how would you feel if someone called you out of nowhere? I'm just like, hey, man, I just want to talk. Right. Like I know it's a good thing. Yeah. But I'm still like, oh. I, I, I've made a practice of this. Like people it's a good ha practice. have grown to expect my calls and I still feel like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know if this is a good time to bother Clay. Right. It's like, oh, dude, I, I don't, I shouldn't call Robert. I'm, I'm gonna fucking talk to him Thursday. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to bother him. Mm. I, I still have this. Yeah, I totally still have this this monologue, and and I think this is why men kill themselves at a higher rate. <laughs> I, I would bet that it's it's related. That might seem like that might seem like quite a jump. No, no, but, but I, I really, I really do because I know that, I know that like my mom. And my grandmother would call each other like every night, like seven o'clock. Yes, same. Just to talk about fucking nothing. Literally the same shit every day. But 
it's it's serving a purpose. It really is. Yeah. And, and I and I think that I think that oftentimes let me let me try to say this carefully. Say try to say what I mean. I think that for whatever reason it's it's uh maybe a little the sort of the pathway to that as a healthy practice was a little easier for women that were uh you know our our, our mother's ages and older i think that that hmm. was a little easier the pathway to that practice was a little easier for them than it was for the men of our time as well hmm. because i think that maybe if I mean, and they still have the same social needs, but I think like they needed to go do something. You need to be doing, you know, we're having a poker night. Right. We're going, you know, I'm going, you know, we're going to watch the game. Right. We have to be, you can't just, you can't just call up your friend just to fucking talk. Yeah. Well, I mean, people their age as well, you had to, you had to sit at home with your corded phone and talk on the, you had to make it a thing that you did. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know. Very soon after that, it got way easy, easier to just contact whoever you wanted. Sure, sure. So I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to to I mean, make a correlation without also making these broad generalizations and drawing these this line down the middle and be like, women do this and men do that, because yeah. it's, you know, um, I'm not trying to feminize being social. I'm not saying to say that's a feminine trait. Right. And I'm not trying to, you know, whatever. It's um, yeah. You, you understand. What it's I'm demonstrably not the case, and we know that. Right. Yeah. So, like. Yeah. Like. Because I feel like it's just that it just so happens that our moms did that, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Because I, I feel like there's plenty of women that would benefit from being, from hearing, hey, it's okay to, like, women our age, it's like, hey, it's okay to to call someone for no fucking reason, mm. and say, hey, man, what's up. You know, yeah. and so, uh, but yeah, so I had to make a very conscious effort to do things like that during the pandemic because my social life was based around playing live music, going to see live music, and doing and doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu was what my my most of my social life was based around and those things, especially on the front end and also with Alice and my wife working in an ICU around COVID and all that, we, especially on the front end when we didn't really know, you know, we felt the need to clamp down. Yeah. Maybe harder than the, than, than the average bear because she was being exposed to it every day. Right. And so when we didn't really, so, so yeah, so I started calling Robert more <laughs> because that, that social, that like my social needs are not being met. Alarm started going off in my head because being a dad is being, being married and having a kid is, it's a strange, it's a strange bit as far as your social life goes, because you're at one sense, in one sense, you're absolutely socially saturated and you are desperate for unstructured alone time. Right. 
especially me. I'm an only child. Like I grew up, I spent most of my life just doing what the fuck I wanted, when the fuck I wanted without telling anybody. Yeah. And so, but you're also starved for good social interaction as well. Because good social interaction. Yeah. And but what what I mean is you <laughs> you're you're exposed to a baseline of like social noise like constantly. Yeah. And you know, and like constant touch because you're you know, because your toddler's always wanting to, you know, and and that stuff's amazing. Right. I'm not I'm not saying that that's bad. But, you know, the the prime time that you have to socialize with your partner is usually at the end of the day after y'all have done everything. Like so much of what you're doing is you're working together for task management. Yeah. And you're whenever you have the time, the kids in bed, there's nothing to do. You're both so exhausted. You're really just like let's just let's just watch some TV together. Yeah. So because one of you has worked all day, maybe both of you, you don't have the energy to to really pay attention to each other. <laughs> right. And and have an in-depth socially enriching i've 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 i feel seen and heard they feel seen and heard so so i had to get that in other places and i would get that by like you know calling friends yeah yeah and going for walks like some casual waves at a neighbor and <laughs> and a good one hour conversation every five days on the phone that was that was what i needed <laughs> That was enough. Yeah. So, uh, I think I'm a little more willing, maybe able, actually, to uh, withstand the lack of that over time. Uh, but also, I think for me, I get it a lot through work. Yeah. Um, sure. Because I'm, I'm despite the fact that I do like a solitary thing programming, you know, I'm on a team and I'm in a department of like 50 people and I'm in a company of thousands of people. And right. uh, I'm constantly talking to people all day long. Right. Someone, you know, someone messages you, you need to answer. Yeah. And that, that's a confirmation of your own existence. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. And I, you need that. I think that helped a lot. I, I, I realized that early on as well. It was like, uh, it, it, because I was, I too, for different reasons was like, I'm going to also like clamp down and just, you know, I ain't doing shit. I ain't going nowhere. Right. Um, and I think that would have been way more difficult had I not had that outlet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Among others. It, you know, yeah, that, no, that totally makes sense. And, and I was in that unique position because my work stopped, you know, mm -hmm. um, especially the first few months. Then I, then I pivoted into building, building the studio, and that gave me plenty to do. Right. So probably should check that again. Yeah, probably should. God damn it. <laughs> so um, I'm back. <laughs> Man, fucking arrows. Thank you. <laughs> Yay, Aerosmith. Uh, but yeah, we were just talking about socializing and shit like that during the fucking pando, and so yeah. like even though. Pando. And you were talking about even though like your work is online, you're still having to interact and that that still gave you a margin of socialization and whatnot. Yes. And so um, 
So interestingly enough, uh-huh. kind of in line with that, uh, I recently joined two bands online. E-bands. Yeah, e-bands. E-music.com. Um, and they're they're both metal bands, and I'm very excited about them. And Hell yeah. And I feel absolutely – I have done more work with these bands in the past week and a half and I've never met these dudes. I've never heard their voices. We haven't had a phone conversation. Oh, yeah. Everything we've talked about has <clears throat> been through Discord. Everything. Oh, just text, but you just actually... all text. Okay. All text. So no voice calls, no nothing. Okay. Just um you know, the auditions like you know, like they I, I they made some they made like random posts on Reddit on like metal musicians. That was how you found them? Yep. Oh, wow. Or metal drums or whatever. We're looking for a drummer for our project, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, let me slide these DMs, man. Like, hey, I might be your guy. You just chat for a little bit. And they're like, well, you know, can we send you a song for you? I was like, send it my way. Wow. Then they sent me one. And then, well, there was one band they sent me to, like, right from the jump. And they were very, they were very structured. Like, there was a, there was a page of notes in the Google Doc of, how of what they wanted and how they wanted it and yeah and whatnot and then the other band was just like well here man try this track and then i sent it back and they're like holy shit well <laughs> oh you can play drums uh wait <laughs> and i was like what yeah man do? so i'm down you know well, what's the next time like well we want to make sure that you can handle all of our material so the other guitarist writes in a different tempo range so can you can you do one of his songs? Like, yeah, sure. Send it my way. And then like two days later, send it back. And they're like, okay, will you please be part of our band? (laughs) Um, And so smart, smart move on their part. It's like, it could have been a fluke. You never know. Oh yeah. See what happens. Yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, dude, as far as like metal drums, cause it's the, you know, there are some, that's kind of a thing. I mean, you played in a band with me for a long time for the longest time. I was only real. I could, I could play, fast double bass but really only kind of in the 190 to 210 range right oh this song's at 180 sorry we're not playing it we just have our 170 or 160 sorry we have to play raining blood faster i don't know what to tell you and so we did that's just how it is and so it's pretty it's pretty smart on their part to i mean i get that because i can play a lot of songs on guitar, but if you said like, "Let's play a song," let's play this thing in E. I'm like, I don't fucking, <laughs> yeah. I don't fucking know what you mean by that. I mean, I know what you mean by that, but I don't know how to do that. Right? Yeah, 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 so. yeah. So, but I feel so just going back and forth in the Discord with the guys, and and ha- and that having some shit to do. Right. Man, I have felt so socially enriched the past few weeks. Oh man, that's awesome. Be just because of that. You know? I even aside from like, okay, cool, this is I'm doing this really cool thing. That's what I've wanted to do. This is exactly what I want to be doing. And I I sort of one of the things I did at the beginning of the pandemic too was I put a lot of focused a lot of effort in, okay, well, I want to get my metal chops together. Right. And so working on a, a new technique for double bass, which we're gonna end up talking about later. In this episode, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I, I learned it from someone on this playlist. And Mr. Borgir. 
Not from him. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. First name Dimu, second name Borgia. Esquire. And so it's a really nice proof of principle that, okay, cool. I, you know, I can actually, it, you know, I can pull this technique off well enough to do these demos, to... To fool these guys into thinking... To, to, yeah, to trick them into thinking that I'm an actual musician or drummer. Yeah, no, it sounds fucking great. For so, sure. Well, you man, I... Let I, me hear it earlier, so... I appreciate it. So it's... it's yeah. uh But yeah, so I totally get what you're saying about the programming stuff. Like, because it's, you know... And dude, the workflow is so fucking cool. Yeah. Because I don't have to sit across from some somebody in a fucking room... <laughs> well they're like what do you think of this riff okay well, what about if I do this well can you do the first one again I already forgot it <laughs> I, I identify with that and so hard and I don't have to do that I don't have to deal with that it's like these guys are songwriters right they it's got to take like a, a special kind of musician to be able to pull that off I think it's just people who are just into doing the work and just... And I guess that's kind of what I mean, yeah. In, because typically you'll find people who are in bands just like, because it's fun to be in a band or because they like to play some sorts of musics. I think also too, is I think it's a little easier for some of it, it you know, it might just be... I think there are some people who are always really good at, at writing on the guitar by themselves. And then bringing mm. that song to a band. That wasn't the kind of band we were in. Right. And then I also think that there are younger people that it was a little easier for them to, all right, well, these are the kind of drums I want. So I'm going to program these drums, the vibe I want for these drums real quick. And they would made it a lot easier for them to write the songs by themselves. Yeah. And, and so one of these bands is one of those and one is the other. Like the mm. the death metal band, I think is some younger guys, and I think that they're just used to writing with drum machines, and so that makes a lot of sense. And then the the black metal guys are older guys, and I think that the main guy there is just, you know, well, this is the first riff, and this is the song, and this is how it goes, and now I'm gonna teach it to the rest of the band, and and he has developed that skill of using the drum machine and programming drums to better aid that. You know, right. so so it just it feels so cool to just be hand like it just goes down the assemble line and it just is handed to me and it's like I just got to do drum shit, man. Yes, that's that's fucking awesome. Like I don't have to, you know, I don't have to jam with someone in a room for six months and then maybe get around to fucking recording <laughs> something. You gotta find that vibe first, you know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like no, it's like oh, what do you think about this riff? It's like, dude, do I look like I have a fucking guitar? The riff is not my job. <laughs> Okay, take some goddamn ownership. Write your own, write your fucking riffs. Make some decisions before you fucking get here. You come to me when you have something you're happy with. I'm not gonna be happy until you're happy. Kinda. Son of a bitch. Kinda. I don't want to like throw people under the bus, but man, I can't tell you how many fucking times that I wish someone would have just been been like, "Hey, here's the song," you know. Uh, yeah. But. But yeah, it's fucking rad. But cool. speaking of metal. Speaking of metal. Speaking of death metal. Yeah, speaking of fucking death metal. So this is going to be part duh, duh of my sort of death metal grindcore exposure. 
And so this is going to cover, again, it's sort of three different eras, three different periods. The first period is sort of 2002 to 2007, which is just kind of more of me being exposed to things randomly. Um, and so, again, this is that first part is going to be the most diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's a song that's on the on the list here that didn't make it onto the playlist. And I am so sorry. Oh, is there? Which one? Uh, Strapping on a Lad Force Fed. Do you know that one? I it's probably on, it's, on, would, it's on the SYL record. Well, I probably would know it if I heard it. Motherfucker. Anyway. Maybe I can pull it up real quick. So, and then the second group is just more random death metal I was exposed to in 2009, 2011. And then this kind of culminates in me seeing Suffocation for the first time, hearing their music for the first time at the Summer Slaughter Tour in 2016. And that was life-changing. And so those are sort of the broad strokes that we'll go through. And, and, and what's interesting is that it's not even at the end of this that I understand that, oh, I'm a fan of death metal. That still hasn't happened yet. I get, I get through the end of this and I'm like, maybe I should just look at this death metal thing. Right. And, and then that'll be what part three is when we, when we get to it. Um, but at this point it's been like 10, 12 years of, of, of this music. Of just, cause this isn't all I'm listening to, right? Like I'm listening right. to so much other stuff and it's, and I think that these are just bands that I like. These are metal bands that I like. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't understand that these are all kind of coming from a similar source. And it's not until I start doing the research and start really digging after seeing Suffocation play that that I start to connect all those threads and understand the roots and the tangents of the genre that is death metal. Right. And so. But yeah, so so here we are. Here we are. Let me play this real quick. I refresh myself. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's, we'll talk about that one in a second. Okay. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Uh, and I'll, I'll add to the playlist. So, uh, so yeah, the first one on here is, is Mopeth. Uh, the last one on the, first playlist was opeth and the first one on this one is opeth and it feels fitting to me this so, was this was some opeth ass opeth yeah that song's like sure. fucking 13 minutes or some shit it's leet literally it's 13 minutes and 37 seconds um so what uh so how'd this one hit you uh, this was some opeth ass opeth like it was cool it was uh i mean i, I did make notes I mean, it's about almost every song on here. Sick. With the exception of basically the last chunk. Uh, simply because I listened to this all in one go. Oh, man. And by that time, I got to the suffocation, and I was like... That's not going to work. I got nothing to say, but I, I listened to it all. I listened to it on the way over here, too. Yeah, that's Just to not, refresh. Yeah, you got to... That's some dense fucking music. It is. Um, I, this is absolutely some Opeth. There's a, there's a really cool recurring rhythmic pattern uh, towards like the second half of the song. This, I don't, I feel like there are so many bands that if, if all they did was write 13 minutes of music that was this good, you could hang it the fuck up. (laughs) Like, 
like call it in call it in you're done you did you did the lord's work it's over go home to jesus <laughs> you may rest and i mean shit dude we made what well, with with uh carry me home I mean, we made what, like 22 minutes worth of work and we're like it's good enough it's done we we hung it up it's only like seven more minutes than this <laughs> than this one track so yeah it's just so fucking good and it's in and it's really difficult to play in seven and stay in seven and it sound fucking good and they may they pull that off yeah and it's just it has all the elements it is I don't know if there's a more patient song that sounds less meandering. Mm. Mm. I got that. Yeah, I get that. Because it's like, no, man, it's like, like you listen to this song, like there's songs that are four minutes and I'm like, dude, you could have, you could have cut that. Yeah. You could have cut that. That's whatever, man. This is 13 and a half minutes and it feels every, like every part is exactly as long as it's supposed to be. Right, they said like what they wanted to say with each part, and it, it did what it had to do. It, every note feels necessary. Yeah. And fuck, man, what an achievement. <laughs> yeah, like there's nothing. There, there are a few things that I enjoy more than like looking at a song. Well, I don't know. I guess it goes both ways. Because I enjoy looking at the the time of a song. I don't know how long it is. I just listened to it and I really liked it. And then I look at the track list and it was like eight and a half minutes or some shit. Right. Like, where yeah, the fuck yeah, did that yeah. time go? Yeah. And I and so on the one hand, it's great. On the other hand, it's like, where'd it go? It went so fast. <laughs> I wanted more of it. But like you said, like three and a half minute song where I get halfway through it, I'm like, dude, just next. Right. Yeah. So, so like compare compare the experience of uh listening to this song to how we felt powering through some of those bad live songs. Oh yeah. Like the songs from back Black Mountain section, I, I was like, mm. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, that's I'll, enough. I'll, I'll listen to. I'll keep going. I'll do it for the craft. Do it for the craft. Yeah, do it for the pod. Yeah, do yeah, it yeah. for the pod. And so, yeah, uh, there's there's something else I want to mention that relates to this, but I'm I'm gonna save it for for when we get to something else a little further down. So, all right. So so yeah, Opeth Deliverance. This was. And so I would have seen them live on this tour. What year was this? It came out. It, yeah, it came out at the end of 2002. And I was already a fan because I had gotten into Blackwater Park. And I think I saw, I might have seen them twice in 2003. So something like that. They played at Fitzgerald's and then they also played at the Engine Room. Nice. And I saw both of those shows. So... But yeah, I have a very specific memory of playing them for you then. But I, it was I played you like the first track off of Blackwater Park. Uh huh. And uh, do do you remember this at all? It was in the the it was in like my old bedroom, my mom's house. I feel like we talked about this already, but go ahead. Okay, um, you basically were like, "Why the?" F-? It's like, okay, well, this is death metal, I guess, and the Eagles. <laughs> I think I like both of these things, but why would I like them together? <laughs> was sort of oh, your... Oh, <laughs> boy. What a dumbass. That's what I remember your read on it being. And, and I was like, God damn it, can't I find some fucking friends to be in this music, into this music too? Fuck, shit. Uh, why did I say the Eagles? That's not... It's a terrible Eagle. comparison. Because it's like a classic rock I guess, but there's. I feel like I could make a much... Let's do it again now. I'll make a much better comparison. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, all right, slight 
<laughs> the slight tangent. Do you see a phone charger cord over there? Oh, is that what this is? Yeah. My phone with my notes on it's gonna die. We're very, we're very professional here. We can go, go over around. There we go. I think we've gone the worst possible way. Hang on, let me see. Okay. There we go. I'm all about engaging content here on the Richard Wooten podcast. Uh, people love, love to see how the sausage is made. <laughs> Sloppily. Yep. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. So, uh, but yeah, this is this is probably my favorite Opeth song. And so there's another thing that like there's about that 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 fi that ending rhythmic motif. It's almost a little there's almost a little bit of like mud vein in it. Yeah, totally. Like that that rhythm right there is that I don't know what song it is, but there's a song off their second album. Eternal Primates Forever. Is it internal or eternal? It's internal. Because at, at the end they're going. Okay. That's the one, right? That's not what I was thinking of. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. That sounds similar to me. You, I'm not disagreeing yes, with that. Okay. But there's a. I'm sure there's like five songs on that album that do similar things. Actually. There's a song on their second album, like "No Forever" okay. or no, no, that's on the first one also. Um, but it it's in that like. Yeah. It's that kind of okay. That kind of vibe. Um, I can't believe I'm fucking doing this. <laughs> yeah. It's like. Nope. Nope. I think I know which one you're talking about now. I'm too. not I'm not gonna find it right now, but it it has that that kind of like. Yeah. Whatever. God damn it. <laughs> get so distracted. I get like latched onto one thing. I'm like, gotta do it. So, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, it's just a cool fucking song. So the next one is If um, anyone finds the song, just drop it in the comments below. Yeah, drop it in the comments below yeah. with a, with an eggplant and uh whatever and some face paint. Upside and, uh, upside down pineapple. Uh, send us an email at uh, uh <laughs> podcast at richardkwooten.com. Yeah. Uh Richard.pod. Not a real email. Uh all right, and so the next one. Is uh, the God Dethroned. Yeah. Is that what's next? Yes. No, that's not what's next. That's what was next on the playlist. Is it what's next? Oh, yep. go okay, good. Yeah, sorry. I'm a mess this week. <laughs> yeah, okay, it is. All right, so. so. God Dethroned were the ones who did fire, right? Hellfire? I'm the God of Hellfire. I bring you fire. Was that God Dethroned? I have no idea what you're talking about. So there was a song that... Uh, Josh brought to us at some point okay. in like 2001 or two and the beginning is I am the god of hellfire and, and I, I bring you fire, fire. Okay. isn't that god dethroned I think it is I think you might be right let's let's do a let's do a lyric search real quick I'll, I'll look you talk about how this how this song how these songs sounded to you yeah these songs were uh, so what was the so what was the first one called I have TDP. I just wrote down an abbreviation. Oh, you have different things on here. Let me see. What was on the playlist? The Execution Protocol is what's on the playlist. Oh, uh, yeah. Execution Protocol and Serpent King. Oh, you just don't have the. That's what. I am yeah. looking for too many uh, small words. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that that first song had some pretty cool thrashy parts. That, yeah. That hit my ear that way. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, I thought the guitar tone was super solid uh, on this one. 
And I really dug the keys and the outro. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This is a nice little touch at the end there. Yeah. And so this is a good, a really, really unexpected as well. They're unexpected because they're so technically like the genre. So these sub genres that I listed here, these are the ones that are on like the Encyclopedia Metellum, Metellum or the Metal Archives website or whatever. I just go, you know, I'm going to go with them. Right. And, there's to me, there's a lot of melodic death metal in God Dethroned. There's a lot of mixing sort of at the gates with the early arch enemy. That's to me what this album is. Okay. Because you have the the melodic guitar work, you have a vocalist who's sort of doing something similar that uh Thomas Lindbergh was doing in At the Gates. But you have sort of that thing that that early Arch Enemy did where you're cycling through all the metal feels. Here's a blast beat. <clears throat> you know, here's a here's your thrash beat. You know, here's your thrash beat with double bass. You know, you know, all you're going through all of the things. Here's total halftime and it. it's very dynamic. I, I feel like I noticed that a lot through a lot of these songs. Yes, there's a lot of songs that 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 that, that hit those, you know. So, I, I mean. I guess I can bring it up to round this out later, but uh, despite you warning me ahead of time that this would be a far less diverse playlist, mm-hmm. to me, this, uh, I mean, I guess maybe on a playlist level, you're right, but on a song, like, you know, within each song, things felt way, like, far, far, far more diverse to me. Right. That Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, because there's not much, there's not a lot of... There's not a lot of the early brutal, like the brutal tech death or the grind core that's just like one dynamic yeah. the whole way through. Yeah. There's none, there's not any of that. Um, so, and so, yeah, the two songs on here from the record Bloody Blasphemy, I think I got into this band just because Josh had a shirt. Maybe, yeah, that seems, that seems right. And probably that other song, it is, it is them. And it's a cover of a, of an Arthur Brown song. Yeah. I remember hearing that original song and it's like, it's not funk, but it's like, I don't know how, what like to call psychedelic it. psychedelic rock. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, because Arthur Brown was sort of one of the OG shock rockers. Okay. You know? Um, I believe yeah. you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm talking about Satan and witchcraft. Ooh. <laughs> and, uh, he was on uh, Phil Donahue probably at some point. <sighs> oh, man. Oh, what a mess. So, uh, so, yeah, man. And so this this... I think that for whatever reason, it's just the right tempos that I could kind of get my hands around. This, These were the, the first three songs on this record. I would just practice those over and over again, and that was what I practiced to get my blast beats and like my thrash beats and all that sort of stuff together. I would just go through those fucking songs. And I think that, I think that that's why... <laughs> You know, because I would have started doing that in like 2002, 2003, and I think that's why there's no thrash beats on 8125 or, you know, on the first record that we did, mm. whereas there are on the second one because <laughs> I didn't have them together really. Right. You know? Well, I don't know. I could always do Slayer, but I don't yeah. know. That's yeah. not a real whatever. That's a That's a different... I don't know. Hmm. I mean, it's, that's thrash metal, but well, for sure. But but Lombardo, I wasn't playing the thrash beats correctly back in the day. I guess is it was very, 
I would, it was very basic. It was very like just kick, snare. You know, I wasn't throwing in a... Okay. Wasn't doing all the variations and stuff, but... Gotcha. But yeah, super, super important record for me is just because I think it, I think one of the reasons that the song, what, what's, what I like about it is it's very extreme in the palette that it's using, but it has very traditional song structure mm-hmm. and it's melodic. Like there's choruses yeah. and there's hooks. And so it may, it's very digestible. Yeah. So it was interesting to go back. I went back and listened to it for a few years ago and it was like, oh, this record's sloppy as shit. <laughs> and this was, I don't think, I don't think this was done to a click track. This is, this is rough. And that is, that is sort of a, uh, a theme in the evolution of, of death metal specifically is now the standard is so fucking high. Yeah. And so when you go back to listen to some of the earlier stuff, you can fucking tell. And it makes it so apparent why, especially the drummers, if you were, especially later on when we do sort of our 1991, the year that death metal became death metal mm-hmm. episode, it's going to be really, it's going to become very clear how important it was to have, you know, a drummer that could pull this shit off consistently. Because you can, because you can tell there were lots of records that were released where drummers who were not, like, we only heard the best stuff. You know, we only heard Pete Sandoval and Morbid Angel, but there were other records where they weren't Pete. They were not Pete the Feet. Commando. <laughs> as they as they call him. So so yeah. But there's a rawness to this that I really like though. There's a charm to it, you know. Yeah. If you if it's if it's managed. I mean I I yeah the the God Throne tracks I dug overall. Uh and in Serpent King, I really liked the the chorus. Like he's like, there's a chorus, right? And I there's like the Serpent this, King. this choral shit going on. Yeah, and like that's, yeah, I didn't expect that, but it works. It's a cool fucking element to have thrown in there. And so I botched up the playlist, and so there's a song. So next is that Strapping Young Lad song, the uh, Force Fed. Yeah. So, um, I just I cycled through the Syl record, and this one is sort of the most blasty. It felt it felt the most rooted in the death metal vocabulary to me, because you know Gene's coming from that place, Jed and Byron are are coming from that place, and even Devin, because Morbid Angel was a huge influence on him while writing City and kind of devising the template mm-hmm. for Strapping and Glad. Anyway, so I I. All of these are things that were sort of preparing, you know, all going into pushing me in the direction of of being familiarized with these elements of death metal and all these things without actually listening to death metal, <laughs> which is kind of, you know, like I'm listening to these things without knowing that that's what I'm listening to in a lot of ways. I mean, at this point, probably the only thing that I've listened to that I'm like, that's death metal is probably Morbid Angel that I've really, really liked, you know, cause I mean, I, I listened to the Cripsopsy, but that one didn't really, really land for me. Like that didn't become part of my rotation or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> We're going to let it ride. Yeah. Um, but yeah. 
I'm losing my shit here, bro. <laughs> Discord notifications. Uh, what a fucking shit show. Hopefully those don't play over the audio. Uh, no, they don't. Because whenever I hear that shit on anything I'm listening to, it freaks me the hell out. No, it, they don't. Um, sorry, just, it's just a weird, it's a weird night. There's another one. Give me a second. Gotta, yeah, it's fine. I gotta figure out what that is. It's Discord. It's Discord. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, when I listen to a podcast where somebody has Discord in their background of their thing and I hear theirs go off, it always weirds me out because I'm like, no one sent me a message on Discord. Where's yeah, this coming from? Fucking talk about one of those things. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Well, I guess I'll just talk about Demu Borgir then, because that's the next thing. And I actually had something to say about this, which I didn't really expect. So the song is Blessings, uh, Demu Borgir. Um,. And this was another one, just like Serpent King, which was the last song on the playlist, that had some really cool choral shit going on in the chorus. And hey, another chorus, which is always cool. Um, but I really like that. Um, and this was the, like, the, first, the first few songs definitely had this too, but it struck me harder on this one for some reason that the production was really good uh, mm -hmm. on, on this track. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, you know, uh, lots of, there was, my, my notes literally are lots of interesting shit going on in here, just not the vocals. Uh, and just to be clear, my, my note specifically says, and just to be clear, I don't know what, if anything, I would rather him do vocally, just not this. <laughs> uh, and that, I feel like that reflects how I feel about a lot of the vocals on these playlists so far. They they really just don't. I just don't get them. I guess. Um, they just don't do it for me. Whether it's too growling too low that I can't understand it, whether you're making out words or not, uh -huh. or screaming too high that it just doesn't. It makes me want to not care what you're doing anymore. Um, I don't know. I suppose to some extent it's just another instrument in the band. And I understand that, but it just doesn't do anything for me. In fact, sometimes it actively like pushes me away a little bit. But uh, otherwise, this song was fucking awesome. Oh yeah, it, musically, it's fucking untouchable. Yeah, and totally. And of course, people would be like, "What? Well, this is definitely not death metal in any way. Why the fuck is this on here? Because it's black metal. <laughs> and this is fucking hot topic. Fucking black metal, bro." <laughs> this out of here is poser black metal oh sounds pretty good to me yeah fuck all that uh and but one of the things for me i, I want to talk about that shit you talk about with vocals yeah in a please second, but because those are good insights but 
the thing is, is that Nick fucking Barker was the gold standard standard on expressing the extreme metal vocabulary with clarity during this time. No one. And he was. He was the drummer in Demon Borgir. The drummer. Okay. He was the drummer in Cradle of Filth, the Cradle of Filth track. Right. That we heard last week. He was the drummer in the Lockup track that we heard. Right. And some of it, I think it was because of him using triggers. Because I think this whole kit was triggered. This, this, the, the drums on this album might have been recorded on an electronic kit. That might be why it, it sounds so, everything is so perfect. Yeah. Right? And so there's, there's, there's that aspect of it there. And so you're really hearing the clarity. Yeah. Of, you know, because he's blasting and, you know, and you have him doing, you know, like not, he's not just doing like your normal, like with the feet underneath, his feet are also part of the rhythmic conversation, mm. right? Like he's doing like fear factory patterns with his feet underneath the blast beat, you know? Things like that. And it's just, did if you did that now, people, like, that's still hard now, okay? <laughs> so, and you could hear it. Like, you would, you know exactly what he's playing. Right. And that was just, that was just mind-blowing at the time. It just, it set the bar so high. And, and on top of it, he wasn't just executing these inhuman things. That motherfucker has... He writes amazing drum parts and he has incredible fills and he has incredible style that is unique to him and how he phrases things and all that sort of stuff. There are people, I, the dude in the death metal band, okay, the guitarist, he was the drummer. We're just talking shop or whatever. Guess who his favorite drummer is? Nick Barker. Okay, you know what I mean? I can't tell you how many random fucking people I I run into and they'll they'll like oh, well, my favorite my favorite metal drummer is Nick Barker. So for those who fucking know they know. Yeah. So <laughs> so that's a big aspect of it. Second thing, no one fucking does tempo changes better than fucking Demi Borgir in mm. a song. No one. No one because I've I've transcribed some of their stuff to learn it. Yeah. There will be four you know, three to five distinct tempo changes and not, not like, oh, our, we're going to go from our 16th notes to, no, not like we're going to cut the tempo in two thirds so that our 16th notes become triplets kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Not that kind of, not that kind of tempo change, like a tempo change that does not make sense. <laughs> right. And, and they do it, they, they do it. So it they do it in such a way that it feels like, well, yeah, man, of course you're supposed to play something for a hundred at a hundred BPMs and then jump to 160. What else would you do? How else could you play music besides jumping around these tempos? And that they do it everything everything with such precision and it still works. Like it's not an organic tempo shift. Like that shit just changes. Right. And it But they but, just like click into it and it works every time. Right. And compositionally yeah. it makes so much sense and works. But yeah, but yeah, like so. What you were saying about like the vocals, right? Yes. I think it's really interesting how for different kinds of of music, especially sort of fringe music, 
or underground music or music that young that that whose primary audience at one time or another is young people the vocals are almost a barrier to entry yeah the vocals are a stiff arm totally that tell you hey motherfucker this if you can't get past this this ain't for you stay the fuck home yeah because i mean even now i mean okay think about this do you remember how fuck how much we hated the metalcore vocals and how much we hated all the whiny, you know? Yeah. You gave my heart away. I'm making fun of as I lay dying right now. <laughs> you know, all that stuff. You know? That's just fine. Like there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it. But at the time, sure. like twenty years ago or fifteen years ago or, or whatever, we hated it. The music was identical to the to so much of the music that we played or liked. But those, but the vocals and, yeah, you know, or you think about like people today with, you know, or I, I don't know if it's as much of a big deal now, but a few years ago, everyone was on, everyone wanted to talk shit about mumble rap or whatever. Yeah, it still happens, I think. Yeah. And to, to me, I'm like, yeah, that's, 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 that is that, you know, the, those artists letting you know, this ain't for you. Like, take your dad, take your dad rap. And stay the fuck home. Right. This isn't for you. Or whatever. Yeah. You know? There's all, all sorts of different examples of that happening. Yeah. So I I, th- I think that that, I think that people's reaction to the vocal specifically is a very interesting feature of, of extreme music. Yeah. You know? Because that's what people say all the time about metal, right? You know? Right. And, and it's just sort of like how, in, in a way, some of this stuff is the extreme version of that. It's like, how is it possible? Like, can I take this rigidly, beautifully composed, thoroughly composed music and then just go, you know, over the top of it? And if that can that can that make it bad enough that people turn it off? <laughs> That's what they're going for there. And and if and and man, think of how if they can get past this, think about how invested they're going to be. Right? Yeah. It's, we, we know th- those are the those are the real ones there. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, basically the what I'm saying is the the extreme form of of the vocals in death metal and black metal is a form of like Stockholm syndrome is <laughs> for the listener. Is that you, you get abused by it, and then you you you're like, hey man, this is actually what makes this special. It's this bizarre gatekeeping to begin with, but once you actually get inside the gate, you don't want to leave. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm not surprised that you, because to me that fucking that song's undeniable. Yeah. Um, like I said, otherwise, fucking cool shit. Right. Right, and and so then we get into uh, cephalic carnage. Well, so bloodbath was next on the on the playlist. Okay, but sorry. We, either way, sorry. This is this shit's <laughs> this shit's all fucked up. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> ill prepared. I mean, I got okay. notes for that too, so it's all good. All right, so so bloodbath is next. Yes. With the track "Eaten." Yeah, dude. This is like the, I feel like this song so, is the, is the inner Sandman of death metal. Okay, explain that, please. <laughs> It's like, I, I want to know about this song <laughs> because to me this is 
I feel like this because it it has a legit chorus. It does. Yes, it does. It definitely does. And it's it's catchy. It's it's uh-huh. this is as close to this is as digestible as death metal gets. That is the best possible way you could have described this song. <laughs> <laughs> while maintaining uh. while maintaining its essence. Mm. Yeah, okay, yeah. So much like Inner Sandman might be as digestible as metal gets while still yeah. being metal. Yeah, yeah. So in th- in that in that sense. Okay. Okay. So why'd you pick this song? Is it, is it because of that reason? It's a fucking banger, man. I love this I love this song. I love this chorus. <laughs> okay. Um I jam this in my head. <clears throat> like how do you not fucking like that? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> suck my guts and eat my heart. <laughs> but what's, what's the line? I, I, fuck. What did he say? It's, I, I lo- want to love you because you're eaten. It's like you know something like that. I don't know. My one, like my only. My wish... one desire is to make you eaten, or something like that, right? No, 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 no. It's like my my only wish, my one desire is to be eaten. Is to be eaten. Right, of course. All right, so so he they wrote this song because there was like some article, some like tabloid article about some woman uh-huh. who had, you know, or like some like had volunteered to be killed by like a serial killer kind of thing. It was like, yeah, you can eat me and my daughter. Okay. Like kind of thing. Okay. And so that's what uh, the song's. Of like course that fucking happened. On. Of course that fucking yeah. happened. Now I. I don't remember. I don't remember the factual events on which the song is based, but right. So, so the the only note that I had to make about the, I mean, it, you know, what more can you say that? But the only note that I have is I didn't know Vor had a soundtrack. Vor. Do you know what Vor is? I don't know what Vor right, is. People at home, I'm sure, probably know what it is. Vor, V O R E, is uh, basically pornography of when your fetish is to be eaten. Oh, or to be, or to be like inside of someone somehow. So why do you know what that is, and why do you? I'm assume, on the internet. Why do you assume that that other people? You're like, okay, well, I'm Pe- sure people will listening people, will know what this people is. People fucking know what this even is, even though you don't, Richard. People know what this. is. You're just not online enough. Okay, all, I'm online way too much. Okay, that's the actual thing. You're okay. probably online the right amount. <laughs> so, uh. Yeah, I thought that was fucking hilarious. Uh, but uh, you describing the origins of the song makes way more sense in a, in this context of like death metal. Sure. Like a, a death metal song. Of, of course they would fucking write a song about that. But to me, I'm just like, I can't believe that they wrote. I mean, this came out when like way long. Two, 2003. Know, which anyway, I think. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure such a fetish has been around for far longer than that. 2004. 2004. But, yeah. yeah. So. so, oh, I see what happened. Okay, yeah, I I like got the spreadsheet in order, and then I didn't change the order of the playlist. Ah, but the but the uh, gotcha. the songs are the same. So yeah, and then uh, some interesting sort of tidbits is that Bloodbath is sort of like a Swedish supergroup, in in a sense. And so there's the the first record that they did, I believe, had Michael from Opeth on it. Oh. And that's why I bought the record. I was like, well, shit, man. Yeah, this is Michael's other band. I'll fucking get that. But it's not Michael on vocals on guitar. this record. No, he's not on the record at all. Oh, it, this it's, so, it's someone else. It's this guy named Peter Tangren, who's in Hypocrisy, and also the other half of Till Lindemann's 
side project Lindemann. Oh, okay. So, yeah, prolific dude. Cool. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I love that song. I, I wasn't sure if it was a joke song or not, but I, I guess not in, in that <laughs> context. It, it, of course not. Well, I mean, they, I'm sure that they knew that, that like, sure. and, and a lot of their, a lot of their other stuff is a little more sort of straight face death metal. Okay. If, if that makes sense. But, <laughs> yeah. But, And then also there's there's some subgenres of death and black metal that 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 are not being touched on that are, you know, like called like death and roll or black and roll where and like like black in apostrophe roll. Yeah, like yeah. rock and roll. Not E N R O L L. E N R like the word in roll. Yes, yeah, yeah, oh, not yeah. that, not okay. that. Just want to specify. Yeah, is <laughs> tidbit so a little side note one of the things that my brain cannot fucking do is is process words when people are spelled to you can't fucking do it i have to because for me to understand what you just spelled to me it's as if (laughs) little richard (laughs) little richard's in your head (laughs) yeah in my in my head has to walk up to a chalkboard and e and r and then stand back. Still don't know it. Oh, <laughs> it'll get there. Hang on. But um, but yeah, like so. But the, those subgenres are, you know, like well, we're gonna. You'd sort of take the language, or some of the motifs of death or black metal, and you just kind of take out some of the density of it, and put some like, you know what I mean? You put. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of in that sense because it's a, you know, it's kind of a rock song structure. Yeah. And one of the, one of the signatures of death metal, which makes it again so difficult to get into at times, is a lot of it just foregoes traditional song structure. It's just yeah, you know, I can see that. So, so yeah. Yeah. All right, what's next? Cephalic Carnage. Yeah, 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 yeah. This was an interesting little block. It wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got Scolopendra Singulata. Seems to be the pronunciation, probably. And I, I just wrote slash fortuitous oddity. Because that's kind of just like one. Oh, yeah. Totally are, are those is. together on the album? I do believe so, yeah. Okay, that ma- that makes a lot of sense. Because uh, yeah. they, they kind of flowed right into one another. I had to go back and check. I listened to it like three times. I go, like, where did this stop? Because I kept, like, looking away. And, right, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're, like, a minute and a half long each or something. Yeah. 45 seconds long. Yeah, so, so that you really get the kind of – so th- you really get the um, – so they have an interesting genre tag, which is technical grindcore. Okay. And death metal, which grindcore is typically known for not being technical. Mm-hmm. So, but – they firmly, you know, put themselves in there. And so you really hear, oh, fuck it. This song's going to be 30 seconds. Fuck it. Right. Go, oh, this song's going to be weird and just be halftime and fucking, you know, you know, whatever, just chuggy <laughs> and, and yeah. some weird sound effects. Oh, fuck it. And, you know. Yeah. Uh, my only note about those two tracks were, well, all right then. 
Yeah. Cool. That's what you're doing, bro. <laughs> yeah. I got it. Cool. Cool. Nice. Yeah, nice. I, pre- I appreciate that. And I appreciate just doing whatever the fuck you want to do with that. Yeah, so I, I, I heard about these guys because I saw them live. And they played at the engine room. And they... They opened for Kill Switch Engage and Cradle of Filth in 2003. Both of those bands were on Ozfest. Right. And so it was like. Those were enormous at that time. Yeah. So it was like an off fest date because Ozfest wasn't playing in Houston. So, you know. Oh, they were on Ozfest at that time. Yes. Gotcha. Playing through the summer. And then then they scheduled like an off date in Houston. So that's why the Man. that's why the bill that's why you had Kill Switch Engage opening for Cradle of Filth, right? Which was weird. I feel like it could have gone either way, maybe. Not at the time. No, Kill Switch was way bigger. Kill Switch was way smaller. Way smaller. At this time. Okay, so you say oh the lineup was okay. I well, the you. lineup was so weird because you would you wouldn't pair those bands together. Well, yeah. Besides that, yeah, yeah. So and then they just grabbed Cephalic Carnage to fucking open for some reason. I don't know why. Huh. And then I think there was a really kind of shitty local. I say they were shitty. It was like a local black metal band, and they took themselves very, very seriously. Okay. And so, Cephalic Carnage comes out, and they have that sort of. Do you remember sort of like the vibe that that Mr. Hinkus would have when they would play, or that Sever the Silence would have? So Cephalic Carnage was kind of in between those two vibes of this, you know, like irreverent art. I don't give a shit what you're, what you think, what you care about. We're doing our art fucking thing, right? Grindcore kind of aesthetic, but then also this, like, hammy, ham it up kind of. I don't really have a respect for this whole thing, right? And then you, you contrast that with their music that is so very clearly. There's a lot put into how that music is put together. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's just mind-blowing, like just seeing these guys with that kind of energy. And then they get to about the third song of their set, and they put on these like fake like black metal, like just shitty pull-down masks that they've painted up to look like shitty black metal corpse paint. And then they play that song, Black Metal Sabbath. <laughs> okay. Which is, And so it's just totally taking the piss out of all of the, the whole black metal taking itself really serious thing, which people had definitely gotten tired of at this point. And so it's interesting how there's those sort of overall broad stroke trends in the metal scene, you know, because yeah. in the early nineties, death metal was fucking King. And then people got tired of those guys taking themselves so seriously and all that sort of stuff. And then like, we want the real serious shit. And then black metal became very, very hip and in, in, in extreme underground circles, yeah. right? Like in the, in, you know what I mean? And, you know, and then there was all the new metal stuff and then people got, and, but then also the next time that, you really had the next big sort of underground, if you will, metal trend was the was the Lamb of God, Shadows Fall, God forbid, that new wave of American heavy metal, mm-hmm. whatever they called it. Kill Switch is kind of metalcore, and Kill Switch kind of straddles the line in the, in that. Yeah. 
But so it was just at a perfect moment to be like, yeah, fuck that goddamn black metal shit. Take it itself so fucking seriously. And whenever you had a black metal band opening the show and you were on a bill with Cradle of Filth. Right. It's so oh, it was holy shit. Oh, now, man. And Cradle of Filth is kind of they've all they've never been accepted by the black metal community anyway. So like too mainstream or something. Yeah. Like because it's not extreme Cra- enough. Yeah. And well, Cradle of Filth has always been really good at marketing and really good at, you know, making offensive t-shirts and yes, they have female vocals and, and girls don't hate their music or their imagery. So, and so, mm. you know, that's, that's definitely not metal. Just a big no, no. Yeah. You can't, can't, can't do have, that. Can't have girls into your music mm. and still be true cult. So, so uh, fuck, remind me, what was the opening to Black Metal Sabbath? It was a lady like doing some spoken word, something. Yeah, some shit like that. I forget what it was. Okay. I don't know. And then it's just like a, and then it just rips into sort of an old school raw black metal thing for a while. And then it eventually goes in all these weird places. And then you just have like pure Sabbath ripoff stuff. Yep. That was, I, my notes are LOL at the name, first of all. Great. Uh, and then so this one goes all over the place with some definite Sabbath feel in parts, obviously. It, and I know I it, I could really you could toss a toss a coin. You could toss a coin as to whether they said, "Hey, let's write a song called Black Metal Sabbath," or if they just wrote this song and this is just how it sounded. Like, what the fuck are we gonna call this? Like, songs like Black Metal <laughs> Sabbath. Oh shit, bro. And I I just couldn't I I I could see it going either way. So. Sure. Yeah. yeah, good Love stuff it. though. It's yeah, it's cool as shit. So, yeah. All right, what's next? Crotch Duster. So you already know this band. I'm extremely familiar with this one. Let me into Starfish Land. Uh, I said, oh yes, thanks, Ruben. Yep, there yeah. it is. <laughs> Ruben, yeah, Ruben, the uh, the the sound, the uh, mighty, the mighty sound god of Houston. Yeah, we, uh, heard, we heard that at. A was it a Cardi show? It was at Cardi's. Uh, he had this playing over the PA as we were like, I don't know, chilling or between bands or something like that, setting up. And we, I think we all just stopped at multiple points and was like, "What the? What is this? What?" Yeah, because it is complete nonsense, complete irreverence, but at an extremely technical level and, of doing so. And then I got a hold of the CD, which I still have. And then we were, then whenever we would play out of town, anyone we played, but we, we were then, we were out. We were on a mission to spread the gospel of Crotch exactly. Duster. We were, we were missionaries at that point, spreading the good word. And do you uh, remember hanging out with, uh, what was it, When Faith Fails yeah. in, in Dallas, Pablo Diablo and all those guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and just, and like just, subju- we subjected everyone that we could to, to Crotch Duster. I think we just like just played it in the car stereo with the doors open and just stood there and made them listen to it the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, you guys want to get some pizza? Shut up, Pablo. Yeah. <laughs> we got to listen to Crotch Duster. <laughs> We're not going anywhere until we listen to Crotch Duster first. Oh, God. And uh, like half that album is like skits. So you got to sit there and listen to what's like. No, it's never good to sit there and force someone to listen to a funny thing that you think is funny. It never works. Yeah. So I feel bad about that, but the music I think makes up for it in some ways. Yeah, and and, and I I I mean the the lyrics are insane and and insensitive and crazy and sexist and and gross uh, totally and, yeah. and all that. Um, but it was extremely like 
extreme shock. Yes, yes. Totally. It's, it's shock lyrics. And um yeah. but you get <laughs> but you get so so the song is called so it's all about butt sex and it's called Let Me Into yeah. Starfish Land. All about buttholes. And but you get you get sort of lyrics like um you know, I'll drive up your dirt road. <laughs> and then like probably like my favorite my favorite section of the whole song is the Oh man. That's my one of my favorite things. So Yeah, that was fantastic. And so another another thing about I think pretty much every song on this album is that each track is composed of like different sections and most of those sections, if not every single one of them, is in the style of some band. A lot of it, or, or it's in yeah. a specific subgenre, or that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's like a there's a Megadeth section that is specifically, obviously Megadeth. There's a Slayer section. Yes. There's all this other shit. Yes, it's such a it is high satire. To- See, yes, it's very much satire, and uh, but done very very well. So good. It's so it's so well put together. Yeah. And so interestingly enough, if you want to get a kick out of something, look up. Um, Jason Sukev's that's the guy who the main guy this is a side project go and look up that guy's production credits right because he is a next level fucking metal producer absolutely prolific like he's done he's done a, a lot of the Black Dahlia murder records he's done um, shit like Conquering Dystopia Whitechapel just just go look at it just go fucking look at it so an absolutely prolific metal producer yeah and uh um yeah speaking of of producers Mm -hmm. an interesting thing so last week we talked about frederick nordstrom who Mm -hmm. had done at the gates and that opeth record and i think another one on that last playlist so on this playlist he engineered deliverance he produced um the demi borgir track and then he also produced oh he also did the arch enemy okay. from last week and then he also did the arch enemy down below and then this other cat jens borgen did um he did bloodbath and then also the amana marth so all these swedish dudes okay. just you know but yeah frederick nordstrom is probably because this demo borgir record was a was a, another gold standard production wise it's like, how the fuck do we sound like that? <laughs> you know? And so Sounds good, yeah. For a single producer to have multiple albums like that in their career, you know, that's doing something right. That's next level. So I mean he's got those uh he's got those department stores. So he's got a Yeah, yeah. That's he, how he that's how he, he keeps those things afloat. He, he had lots of capital yeah. to um well, to I figure get, he keeps those open by doing great great records because nobody fucking shops there. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not it was anymore. a good pivot. It was a good pivot. Smart move, yeah. Yeah. 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, what's next? Gojira. Yeah. Backbone. Yeah. I said, uh, I mean, fucking Gojira, you know, like they're fucking good. Uh, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I said, yeah. I said on this one in particular, even I am noticing like rad drum shit happening. 
<laughs> so there's some rad drum shit. I figured that's probably part of the reason it was on this list. Well, it has it has fucking blast beats in it, man. And that's rad drum shit. And so one of the things I think is interesting about this is that uh to me, it's very clear on this. Like that that riff. That that's a morbid angel riff. And so mm. um like not in a ripoff sense, right. right? But it's very clear to me that like you didn't. Like they tried to write a morbid angel riff or something. And like that. especially if you listen to the stuff their first few records, you know what I mean? Before they got here, mm-hmm. like you do not get Gojira without Morbid Angel. <sighs> you absolutely do not. And in so many ways, this is gonna piss some people off. I don't care. I own every fucking Morbid Rain- Morbid Rangel Eckerd. Morbid Ranger. I own I own every single Morbid Angel LP. Okay, I have all of it on vinyl. Okay, don't I'm I am a fucking fan. Don't okay? at him. In many ways, early Gojira is just Morbid Angel with better songwriting, actual grooves, and consistent tempo. You can be mad at me if you want. I ain't gonna argue. But but yeah, but go back and listen to that. You know, if you go back and you listen to that track off of uh, Gateways of Annihilation, let me mm-hmm. see if I can find it real quick. Um, my my playlist seems my playlist seems scrambled. Uh, nothing is not is what was on there last time um, on the last playlist. This one or those one of the ones. The summoning. Oh yeah, yeah okay. Anyway, like there's a riff in there, like that kind of dun 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 dun, you know, that kind of mid tempo, uh, you know, and so to me, there's like a direct. That's where you can like really see this song is you can really draw a direct one to one correlation between Gojira riffs, Morbid Angel riffs. Right. So, um, but yeah, we saw these guys. The first time we heard these guys was together. Yeah. Um, in 2007 was Gojira, Machine Head, Trivium, and Lamb of God. Right. We went up to Dallas to see that show. And uh, it was... I'll tell you one thing. Right from the jump, they have been one of one of the top-tier fucking live bands. <laughs> because even then, even them just playing 30 minutes or whatever, it was like, oh, my God. Yeah. It was startling how good they sounded live. And... Uh, I got to see them play a small club show a few years later, and it is one of the best small metal, like, you know, oh, man. 500 yeah. people kind of show that I've ever seen. They sounded so good. Oh, is is yeah. So they're so good, it's boring. Because like, you can't, <laughs> you know, they're so, fu- they're so dependably awesome. They're the Foo Just, Fighters of death metal. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh Good. boy! Fuck these guys! Gojira's don't like the Foo Fighters. Fuck these motherfuckers! God, one of the only things I can remember visually from that show that we went to is the the damn Trivium like banners that they had up of their album art. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I was just like, "It's stupid as hell." I don't know why. That's how I've always felt about Trivium, and I haven't really started to come around 
until until recently yeah. to be like, okay, these guys are these. He's a good dude, and they're a good band. I I don't know. I don't remember why I would have thought that, but that's the overriding emotion that comes to mind at the time. Was it just that dude? Was he a douche or something like that? No, not at all. He was just young, and I think okay. I think that we were just really jealous. Probably, yeah, probably. I think that's what it was. Could well be. I think that's very much it, and I think that because he Roadrunner promoted the shit out of that band because yeah. Monty. Monty Connor, my impression is that Monty Connor really liked Matt Heafy and saw like just so much. It's like, oh, this is guy's gonna be like the future. And so they just promoted the shit out of out of him. And and so and it was it just didn't hit me at the time the right way. Yeah. But was, that doesn't mean it wasn't good. <laughs> Sure, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I probably haven't listened to him since then, so what do I know? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know nothing, so, uh, yeah, no, not not talking shit about Trivium, but I remember being livid that Machine Head played before them. Maybe that's what it was. Oh, we were if pissed. That that would have been something that I would be like, fuck these guys. Yeah, we were pissed because sure, Machine Head yeah. paid, you know, played like 30 minutes. Machine and- Head paid good money to be there. Yeah, Machine Head played like fucking 30 minutes and man, right. and Trivium got like 45, maybe, you know, 45 minutes at least. And they Machine Head played like five songs in that No, time. they played like Did four because they, they opened with Clenching the Fists of Descent. Which is like seven, eight minutes or it's ten. Is it my estimates are all off? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah, they, they played Clenching the Fists of Descent, I think Imperium, Aesthetics of Hate, and then like um block or something. Not block. They played like one weird deep cut. From uh, it's not block. It's like the second track on "Burn My Eyes" or something. And then they probably played Davidian too. They might not. Like Tin Ton Hammer? No, wasn't Tin. I would have. I wouldn't be here because I would have murdered somebody <laughs> if they played Tin Ton Hammer with a Tin Ton Hammer, son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that fucking song so fucking much. It is really good. Um. Okay. Anyway, I, I um. Yeah, I can't think of what that track is. And uh, old, they played old. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, but yeah, like fucking four songs, four or five. You know. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. It was like an incredibly. It was a short set, and they only played like a handful of songs because they were so long. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and they were just ballsy as fuck. They're like, "Yeah, we're gonna play a 10 minute song from a record that hasn't come out yet." <laughs> right. Because we know this is the best record of our fucking lives. Right. I mean, they, and then in doing a set of hate, it, it was in Dallas. Yes. So it was a big fucking deal there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that we had already heard that single. I think yeah. I, maybe. Because I want to say that the Blackening came out in March, April, and this show would have been in February, I believe. Sorry. I was trying to figure out if that was what that was. Okay. Was it? I don't know. I'm, I'm shaking the damn table too a lot. I noticed. Okay, man. I can't tell. Anyway, this is we're professional uh, shit. Clearly, tonight. well, that's what they pay us for. Mm, that's what we. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all of them. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. Um. So yeah, 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 yeah. So great uh, show. Gojira is amazing. Blah blah blah. You should know that. I love. This was my first exposure to them, and from Mars to Sirius is still one of my favorite albums of all time, ever, ever, ever. So straight up. Yeah, I 
can't put into words how much I love that fucking record. So sweet. And uh, yeah, then then uh, then I wasn't really exposed uh, for whatever reason. Oh yeah, no, I know what happened. Um, yeah, because all sever broke up at the end of two thousand seven. Right. And I and that was when I that was my first sort of foray of getting really into funk music and stuff like that. And I kind of stopped listening to. Uh, I didn't stop listening to metal, but I stopped listening to new new metal. So Un- I, metal at that time unknown to you. Yeah, yeah. I stopped listening to unknown metal. Right. And uh, yet to be heard metal. <laughs> I only listened to nostalgic metals, metals for the next few years. <laughs> and so, but then in 2009, I moved to Houston. And uh, in that fall, like Niall put out a new record and they, and they, and they, they toured, they came through town. And since I lived in Houston, it was a lot easier for me to go to shows. So I was like, Oh yeah, fuck it. I'll, I'll go, I'll go see, I'll go see Niall play. And they played at numbers. And what did I write? What did I write down here? Oh, they melted my face off and I'm still looking for it. <laughs> so yeah, one of these days, just, <clears throat> they were just so good live. And and this was the record they were touring on, and then I, you know, I and then afterwards, like Carl was hanging out, like taking pictures of people. So I was like, "Fuck it!" And he's just such a cool, nice fucking dude. And anyway, Carl does not sound like someone who should be in the band Nile. His name is Carl Sanders. (laughs) Sounds like a Simpsons side character. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I don't know what Carl's last name was. Oh, Carl, Lenny and Carl. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, so I put the song. So this is the album. It's from the album "Those Whom the Gods Detest." And this is utterances of the crawling dead. And I put this song on here. I, there was a different one that was going to be on here. Uh-huh. I was going to put Kafir on here, but it's a little more. It's a little more frantic. It's great. It's an incredible song. But it's a little more frantic. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna put one. I'm gonna put one of the mid tempo burners on here. Okay. For for Robert. You did me a fucking solid because I loved the song. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was yes. like some real real good stuff on this one. Solid riffs. Yeah. yeah this is fucking awesome. And this was very. Uh, I mean, I guess to your point, they're very unlike the one on the on the previous playlist. Right. In right, a lot right. of ways. Right. And so, and so. Like it seems like Niles sort of seems to have like three types of songs. They have and they have like sort of the really like kind of frantic, lots of tempo changes, stuffs all over the place. Yeah. They and and they they got much better at those than than that very first record. Mm-hmm. You know, especially once they got George Coleus on the drums because it's it's just the highest expression of that style when you have him playing the drums. And then they have sort of these slower kind of um and 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 a lot of a lot of their songs have like a slower dirgy kind of section. This one has one in you know in the middle. But and then they have kind of these like mid-tempo where the tempo's mostly consistent and just, you know, And they're just going to sit there and just make you fucking eat it, you know, for like four minutes. And anyway, I love this band. This is one of my favorite bands. I, I, I can't fucking get enough of them. And so nice, but uh, I'm, 
I'm glad you like this song. I, I knew that there would be something. I knew that you would. I knew you, that once you. That, I knew that if you heard this kind of Nile song, that you'd be like, oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. I, 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 I get why. I, I, I get a sense of how much meat there is on the bone, so to speak, of, of the depth yeah. of it, right? And I think that's actually a – I mean, I'll, I'll bring this up at the end here after we talk about these other songs. But I think that's a theme for this playlist, um, despite, uh, again, you saying that it would be less uh, diverse. Mm-hmm. I feel like for various reasons I was able to get a lot more out of these songs. Yeah. Um, interesting yeah so and like the thing too i mean i could do i could very easily do a whole episode just talking about nile but one of the things i want to throw out there really quick about them is that there's that's different about them that i don't that that, that isn't present in a lot of death metal is that to me there's very much a psychedelic element to their music and they're one of the only death metal bands that you can go and see live and they can play for an hour and 10 minutes and it feels like a dynamic journey. It's really okay. difficult, difficult to sort of hold the attention and to, you know, for an hour and 10 minutes with this style of music. Right. And, and they do it amazingly well. And, and, and there's, there's, there's always this touch, this like, it feels like this, there's, and I, I actually had a chance to ask Carl about this. At a, at, a, at a show, I guess, in 2019 or something. But I was like, anyway, I was shooting the shit with him after the show. And and I and I mentioned that. And I was like, I don't know how the fuck you pull off. I was I had had a few. And I was like, I don't know how the fuck you. <laughs> you fucking. <laughs> yeah. Carl. Kind of. Kind of. I was like, I don't know how the fuck you pull off um, psychedelic death metal. But every fucking time I see you guys play live, it it takes me on this. There's this weird journey that's. I feel like there's a journey you're taking me on that I don't know about. <laughs> and he, uh, you know, and he was like, he's like, that's that's on purpose. Like, <laughs> like just like look me in the eye. And he was like, yeah, that's what we're meaning to do. Sweet. And he's like, you know, he's like, there's ways to do it. And he talked about, you know, having these little threads that sort of run through. And that is sort of the game with a lot of this music is on the surface, it's pure cacophony and chaos. But there are, but there's still motif and theme and threads and ways that you tie all this complex music together. For sure. And... And so, and then we talked about funk and soul music for five, for like five or 10 minutes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Whatever. Why, why wouldn't I be hanging? Why wouldn't I be drunk talking about, talking to, with, about <laughs> funk music to Carl fucking Sanders? <laughs> so what, it's one of like my favorite things that's ever happened to me. <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah, so love Nile. So next is a necrophagist. Is that, is that actually next? Yep. Stab okay. wound. All right. How'd this one hit you? Also, I don't know. I I think I put shorthands for a lot of these song titles. Like, <laughs> uh, I just put utterances on the Nile one. Yeah. I don't know why I did that. Oh, no, I know why I did that because before I listened to it, I wrote down all the bands and the songs so that I wouldn't have to do that as I was listening to them. Mm. So I could just put my mm-hmm. thoughts down. Uh, so <laughs> Necrophage's Stab Wound. Uh, if you want to read off my uh, my comment there at the very top. 
Tweedly weedly wee Tweedly weedly is what this song is. That's not wrong. Nope, that's exactly correct. Uh, yeah, this was weird, but kind of cool. <laughs> that's a good description. Yeah, uh, yeah the the uh, the ping ponging between those extremes was was prevalent in this track. Yeah, so this album came out in 2004. I don't I I honestly don't know how I heard this. I think someone was just like, "Hey, check this out." Um, I don't remember who. But this album came out in 2004 and this album was just an absolute gauntlet throwdown of a fucking album. Okay? So this this is the album that you could say created modern uh technical death metal. Oh. It's like the template okay. for modern tech death. And this album was such a like fucking deal with that blah, that everyone was like, like it raised the bar and everyone was like, well, shit. <laughs> we got to re-record this shit now. We have to, how the fuck do we keep up? And it took people like four years to, to, to like make something that was comparable. And, and the band that did it was half of this lineup. Well, stands to reason. Like half of this band went and joined another band called Obscura. And, and put out a you know an album called Cosmogenesis in 2008, which was which is like another gold standard tech tech death album, and so so yeah this like you if you do a, a cover of anything off of this record today, you're gonna get guaranteed clicks in the whole metal <laughs> metal cover eco YouTube ecosystem. Right. This album is highly fucking regarded. Okay. So, and then what else is interesting is that they they didn't put out another fucking record after this. Damn. I'm, I'm almost yeah because I think they had one before, but yeah they didn't I, they didn't you know, and then there were all these rumors like five years ago that that it was happening and and there's been rumors off and on for like a decade that 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 the new necrophages was going to happen and everyone's just giving up now. So. Was it just like internal strife because they um, ended up leaving? I think it's just it, it's mostly like one dude, you know. So oh. it's it's one dude who like is like I'm the principal you know. songwriter. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that I think that for whatever reason, you know, the record didn't get written in the window that would have made sense for it to be written. And then you get into uh, well, now there's a shit ton of pressure, and you to get into a lot of option. Par- I'm totally speculating. And then you just get into a lot of option paralysis. And then you're, and then eventually it's like, man, fuck it. I don't want to deal with the weight of that. I don't want to deal with the weight of the expectation of, because each year that passes, this record gets more and more and more and more iconic. Sure. And so. I mean, to try to follow something like that up, I guess, you know. Right, right. So, yeah. But, but again, like this is, what, what the, one of the punchlines we're getting to is that, oh, well, fucking technical death. This is like my favorite. This is my favorite shit. And so this would have been the first time I was exposed to what the modern version of it sounds like, I guess. Got so, it. But yeah, and the drummer on this, Hans Grossman, he's like, it's another fucking level. That dude's another fucking level. So. Cool. All right, next is uh, Decapitated. Yes. So day 69. Yeah. This was probably my favorite album on this whole fucking playlist. Yes. Or uh, song. I thought, I, I figured, I figured. This was cool as hell, man. Yeah, man. Uh, this, yeah. <laughs> this 
great shit the whole time, and then yeah, cool little drum stings like that, and then that that big bend and some long that part. Bend, dude. So good. That bend. Oh my god, it makes me it makes me want to fight. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Uh, the singer's got like a a, a Rob Flynn thing going on a lot of times. Like That's you, real funny you mentioned that. Oh yeah, yeah, because you know who the new guitar. You know who the new guitarist in Machine Head is. His name is Vogue. Flynn. Vogue Flynn. <laughs> um, anyway, he's the he's the he's the guitarist and songwriter in Decapitated. Oh no shit. All right. yeah, yeah, but not yeah. the singer. Not the singer. Okay. Not the singer. But it's it's interesting that you that you yeah. that you pulled that out of thin air. But, so he, they, I mean, he's definitely got some like like that Rob Flynn does that kind of a shit. A little bit, right? Yeah, and, it's in there. And so whenever you uh like whenever uh Machine Head did the Burn My Eyes tour. Mm-hmm. Like in 2019 or whatever. Yeah, and they they did two sets. They did the the like go out and play the greatest hits set, and then they took a break and they did the burn my eyes set with yeah. the original lineup, minus Adam Deuce. But uh, Vogue played guitar in the greatest hits set. Okay, so he was like he's so he's like the new Machine Head guitarist. Cool. So um, yeah, man. So yeah, Decapitated, incredible fucking band. Those first four records are just amazing death metal um and then and then the drummer fucking died oh man and it's actually vogue's brother like oh. he, yeah he died in like a like a, a van accident i believe fuck yeah like not too long after this record came out like while they were touring for this record it was fucking Damn, devastating dude. and then they came back s- several years later and their style kind of pivoted a little bit into with a few more sort of groove metal uh, elements put into it yeah and uh and then they were <laughs> and then they were held in jail in the states for several months over some um alleged sexual like sexual misconduct charges like a girl accused them of like raping her on their on their bus and and they mm. and they got fucking thrown in jail shit and like just kept in jail for several months and then all the charges ended up getting dropped and whatnot. Um, the band's had a huh. crazy fucking story. Where are they from? Poland. Okay. Oh, huh. uh, is it Poland? Oh, shit. Oh. I'm pretty Wasn't sure. Prepared. Did I write it down? Yeah, I wrote it down. Yeah, oh, fucking Poland. <laughs> I fucking knew that shit the whole time. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, but, that's, that's fucking wild. Yeah, they, they got a, they, they, They've had a, you know, they've had a, a crazy history. Um, so the drummer that was on this album, that's the only he's album. Dead. No, no, no. He did the first four. This is the oh, the first four. This, this is, is the fourth one. This is the fourth Got of it. their first four. Yeah, and this, he this was is the last one that he did with. Yeah, them. and he's just like you listen to that first record, like winds, winds of play, winds of some creation, and he's just like fucking nineteen or seventeen, fifteen or some shit. He's ridiculously young, and wow. it's just. It was like he was just born to play death metal fucking drums. Like this song, like he wrote this, like he came in with the drums like done Man. for this song. And he was like, this is what the drums are going to be to this song. That's wild because like this is one of the songs on this playlist. Like like you, you mentioned they sort of pivoted to groove metal, but there's a lot more on this playlist that has groove to it that I really dig. Yeah. Uh, way more than like the first playlist in relation uh, and this is one of them for for sure. And this song, that surprises me because it feels like this is a song that is equally important for like the stringed instruments here, 
like they did a really great job of putting what they needed to uh, apparently on top of the drums right which is really cool it's a yeah there you can't say enough good things and then also a shitty thing that happened with them so this song this record their first four records have within the past month maybe two months have gotten back on streaming services Oh, wow. Yeah, because there was some bullshit with... Uh, Record label stuff? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, it's so goddamn irritating um, because, you know, you're leaving. It's like, well, if I can't have all the money, I'm going to not let anyone have any of the money is 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 how that shit goes, you know? Mm. And so, yeah, I had to... I had to... A few years ago, I had to... F- I, like, tracked down, like, physical copies of these fucking CDs, you know, paid, like, fucking... Like now, I mean, before they they put that shit back on streaming, like you would have been able to sell each one. You could have gotten like sold each CD for like eighty bucks a pop. Wow. Um, but you know, I was able to find them for like get all four for like fifty or seventy or something like that a few years ago, five years ago or something. But yeah, but I'm so glad that these records are back on streaming services so that their legacy can, you know, continue to grow and live on and all that sort of shit. Yeah. So. All right, next. Arc Enemy. So, so yeah, what did you think about this track? I thought it was all right. It's fun, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Jacob got me really hip to this this album. This is like one of his favorite songs. One of his favorite songs. So, Damn. Um, and uh, this, uh, this, I think, was the first record they did with Angela on vocals. So yeah, so there's a, a woman singing mm-hmm. on on this track, and so you start, you know, and again, it's just it's a if you like that sound, if you like that melodic death metal sound, yeah, it's it's you can't you can't really get too much better than this, <laughs> right? So yeah, it's a, that's a that's it's cool, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not something I'd probably go out of my way to listen to, but like it's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's uh. <laughs> I sound like I'm talking shit on it. Um, yeah, it's fucking great. I don't, I don't know what else to say. But, <laughs> but yeah, and what's interesting too, I think, is that that record is um, a little older than the ones it's around, because that that record came out in 2001. So that means that Mister Mister Frederick was real busy in 2001 because he was doing Dimu, he was doing this, he was just, jeez, yeah, fucking. And so, but I think that would have been one of my first exposures to modern Arch Enemy, you know, because it's such a like, like it's a life, it's like a parallel life not lived because I didn't get Stigmata, their first, that, that, the record that uh, Beast of Man that is on. I didn't get it in the mail when, oh, I, right. when I did my mail order to Century Media. They just didn't send me my Arch Enemy CD. So I was like, well, shit, I guess I'm not an Arch Enemy fan. <laughs> Missed that boat. And so, then later on when Jacob's like, hey, man, do you know, do you know Arch Enemy? And I'm like, I don't fucking know Arch Enemy. I don't know those guys. No, they didn't Arch, let me know them. Arch Enemy's dead to me. <laughs> so. And then we got a, and then we got an, an Amonimar track, just a, a rando Amonimar track that I really like. Yeah. With Odin on our side. <laughs> It's, it's fine too. Yeah, it's all right. 
this is, it's I I was not expecting you to to lean into of these five right here. Uh huh. You know the Nile necrophages decapitate arch enemy Amonomarth. I was not expecting you to be like, dude decapitated Nile. <laughs> really? <laughs> I was not. I was. I, I thought you were going to be all about Arch Enemy and Amon Amar. Interesting. I, I thought you were going to be like, yeah, this is fun. This is great. Uh, it, it's, hmm. I don't know. It is, but it's like, uh, I don't know, the Amon Amarth stuff, it feels a bit much like, uh, what, am I, what am I thinking of? It's not is Viking metal is a that's exactly what, it what is. they are right, and there's also you know pirate metal and shit like that and Celtic metal and that all feels like of a piece to me, mm-hmm. and I've never really gotten much into it beyond just like that's cool that, that is, that's a thing. I see. I'm glad that's there. I'm not really gonna like put it on and listen to it, but I like that it's there. Man, there 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 are about like six Alestorm tracks that will fucking get me going, man. <laughs> Ailstorm, that's a, that's a yes, totally. So, get some Eluvati going, some fucking folk metal. Yes, uh, exactly. Get some hurdy gurdy, hurdy gurdy with your with your skank beads. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's a solid record. And again, Jacob got me into the band, but the, the, he what he's into the he was into the old Amon Amarth. Okay, know, so. He was there um, from the beginning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interestingly enough, the first the original drummer in Amon Amarth <laughs> was. Um, Martin Lopez, who played on these uh, Opeth songs. Oh, cool. That I showed you. So, um, yeah. And so then apparently in 2011, I stopped fucking listening to metal, it looks like. <laughs> according to this list. According, yeah, according to this list, I did not listen to any, I, I, I did not, I wasn't exposed to any um, death metal that really left an impression during those years and I'm not really sure why hmm. but that doesn't really matter so getting to the punchline here so it was 2016 it was August it was my it was actually my birthday okay and the music school that I was teaching at was because I know they normally teach on Saturdays I was teaching on Saturdays there they were closed I guess the week before school was starting or something, or I don't, I don't know, but I didn't have to, I didn't have to teach that day. And this tour was in town. I was like, I'm going to fucking go. I'm going to go to an all day metal show by myself. <laughs> cause I can. I, cause I'm an adult. Cause I'm an adult. And, and so, yeah. And I, and I, and I went to this with just a, a fucking open mind. Like, yeah, man, I just want to fucking fuck it. Like, like Nile was also headlining and, mm. and so, you know, I was like, yeah, cool. I'll fucking see Nile again. That's always amazing. And Cannibal Corpse was headlining as well. And, you know, it's like, all right, this, it can't go. Like, I, I know that I'm not, I know. You're going to get your money's worth one way or the other. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't know. I was like, okay, well, I know Christian's good. You know, there's so many, ba- so many great bands on this particular bill, but I didn't really know most of them. Yeah. And so. I you know I go to the show and I'm just I'm just hanging out at Warehouse Live, and it was a this, this was a there was a good, it really alternated between sort of being an old school like old school death metal, 
and uh, newer like Deathcore, which there's a there's a subtle difference. I'll take your word for it. I believe you. And what was so amazing to me, what really resonated with me, I think, because at this time, I was really, I had been going to a lot of like jam band shows and a lot of funk band shows and stuff like that. And New Orleans, like, you know, New Orleans Jazz Fest and all that sort of stuff. Um, and what was so cool to me about this death metal show was that like the kids, the kids didn't care if it was an old band or a new band. They just like if it if it was good, it was good. And yeah. they fucking like it wasn't it just felt like such a pure, you know, like it it wasn't pretentious. There wasn't like all this like all the kind of like toxicity that it felt like was involved in the metal scene in like 10 years prior. Right. Of like, Oh, well these, these people have tight jeans on and I don't like the art on that t-shirt. So fuck these people. Yeah. Or, Oh, those guys are old. Fuck them. Like there was none of that. There was none of that. And so it just, it was so, it just changed how I looked at everything. And just by just watching the kids, by just seeing the people who were younger than me and how they were reacting to the music. It was so inspirational cool. to me. Uh, um, and so, yeah, there were so many great bands I saw that day. But then, um, then Suffocation came on, on stage. And Suffocation is a legendary fucking death metal band. You cannot overstate their influence on the death metal genre. You you just, you can't do it. You can't fucking do it. And somehow I had managed to avoid hearing a single note of their music until that day. And absolutely they're set. They play like 30 minutes. And I basically just put most of the songs that were on the set <laughs> um, on the playlist. And and they that set changed my fucking life. A big reason that it did was because and I didn't know. Like now I can tell, you know, like I can like, oh yeah, but that well, that was this person on vocals, and that was this, 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 and this, and I can tell you the whole history of all the shit. I didn't know that. Right. I thought that the suffocation I was seeing was the suffocation. <clears throat> Like I, I didn't know, and right. so, but the, the it was, but they they had a new drummer then. His name was Eric Marotti, and I'd never heard, I had never heard, extreme metal drums sound that good live ever. Period. Not fucking once. In in twenty years of going to shows, I had not heard metal drums be that clean, that consistent, that precise not even close to how good that guy played. I watched a couple of the videos that you sent me and you're not wrong. It's that's what that is. Some clean ass, clear ass, precise ass drumming. And it, it was like now the bar has been raised the past five years or so to, to, to where, you know, like that's kind of, that's a little more expected now mm. But at the time, it was 
Okay. I, I, I couldn't fucking fathom it. Now, part of that is the way that Suffocation's music is written, as opposed to the way that Niles' music is written. Mm-hmm. Because George Coleus plays that clean and that precise as well, but, but Niles' music is so much more dense. Yeah. And it's less rhythmic in the way that, that Suffocation's music is rhythmic. So the drumming doesn't come through in the same way, I think, is, is, is an aspect right. of, of why, you know, it, it, it is one aspect of it. So, but yeah. And, and, and I was like, man, it's like, it's like this guy, because there was another thing that happened in the mid, in the mid aughts with metal records and, and, and that were coming out. And as, I don't know if you remember this feeling or not, but I, I remember of some very specific times having this, there was this weird intersection where, you know, the cost of home recording was coming down. Yeah. And then people's desire to play fast, crazy shit was going up. And there was this weird intersection that happened in the sort of the late aughts where, you know, there would be like a band of like 17 year olds or something. And they're like, hey, here's, you know, listen to what I what I did. And it would be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, and like kicks like. And it was like, you didn't fucking play that. And then you would go see them live. And sure enough, they did not fucking play that. Mm. But Eric Marotti, who's younger than us. And 2008 hurt. She was like, well, shit, I guess that's just how I have to fucking sound. <laughs> Got to get that good now. I just have to be perfect, man. And uh, I, I actually I took a lesson with him. Uh, oh, cool. A few years because, uh, you know, he's like, oh, I'm giving lessons on this tour I'm doing. And I I'm think like, you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was one of, again. Of course you would have, yeah. One of my favorite fucking things ever happened. <laughs> and uh, and I, I actually asked him about that. And he was, and he was like, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Finally someone understands. What am I doing? He was like, dude, yeah, fucking. And he talked, to, he was like in 2000. Uh, he's like, he talked about like 2008 when all these records came out. He was like, yeah, this fucking origin record came out. And. He talked about that Nile record. Um, he talked about Cosmo, you know, uh, the Obscura record, Cosmogenesis, yeah. and you know, he's like, "Yeah, man," I was like, "Shit," <laughs> you know. Um, I'm nowhere near good enough yet. I gotta get there. I gotta, yeah. How the fuck do I fucking? I, ha- I have to be perfect, you know. <laughs> and so, so yeah, that that seeing that live show just sent me down this whole this whole rabbit hole of suffocation, and I'm still going down that fucking rabbit hole. Here we are, like five years later, and I'm still finding new things that I love about that band and about the way that they put music together. Because oh, it's man. fucking weird. It is fucking weird. I've learned several of their songs at this point. I've transcribed, a, you know, a handful of them, and the way that they put music together is fucking strange. And I think that's what. And it's so different than how I I would put that kind of music together. Mm, okay. And so I think that's one of the things that was so intriguing to me about it. Uh, yeah, I can see that. You know, like, especially like the songs like Thrones of Blood and, and Pierce From Within, you know, like to wrap your head around how they put those things together, you know, it's fucking crazy. And 
Um, but yeah, I can, I can, before I just rattle on about how amazing suffocation is, how did it, how did some of those videos hit you? How did some of the music hit you? Da, ba, da, ba, da, ba, da, ba, da. Well, the videos, like I said, specifically, like it's undeniable. Like this is some incredible shit, like technically flawless right. feeling, um, uh, so that was that was cool because like you said you made it a point to do that so that I would be able to hear it live and that came through for sure. Cool, yeah, because I, I wanted to try to sort of recreate like the you know because I <sighs> suffocation is one of the best goddamn live bands you'll ever see. <laughs> so there's a friend of mine um, named Chris that uh, like we had jammed some, we had jammed a few times, played like a bunch of Slayer and Machine Head shit together, you know, really cool dude. Mm -hmm. But we ended up making, like making friends and decided to like get together and jam because we'd always see each other the same shows. And we had seen each other like two suffocation shows in a row or some shit, like two nice. years in a row or so, some shit like that. Right. Yeah. And um, he's from New York. He's older. A little, a, little, a few years older than us, not much, but he'd seen Pantera a whole fuck ton of times. And he, and, and like, He's like Suffocation and Pantera, the two best live bands I've ever seen. Damn. So well, there's your there's your high praise right there. Yeah. So he puts <laughs> them in that echelon. Right. And you can go and you can find similar similar to Pantera. You can find like, oh, here's a here's footage of Suffocation playing at some festival in the Ukraine in 2007, and someone videoing them from fucking far away, and it sounds, sounds how amazing. it's supposed to sound. <laughs> cool. And. So I, I wanted it to be really clear, like that, how fucking good they are live. <laughs> Point made, I I would say. Uh, I guess I would. I don't know. I feel like I need to listen to it some more, probably to get like sort of the stuff you're describing. Yeah, you out would, of it. what you would really have to do, like so, you would have to take. <laughs> like these first few songs and you would need to just listen to each one like three times in a row. Sure. Is what, is what you would have to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, cause it's very dense music. Yes. Um, and they, what is so cool to me about their music compositionally is that, and this will come up again more whenever we do the 1991 episode where it's like, how did death metal become death metal? Mm -hmm. And, my whole thesis is that you had to find a way to not be Slayer. <laughs> and and so the way that some bands did that was they said we're not playing we're not gonna play fucking skank beats. We're not, you know, the you know, the slayer beat. We're just not gonna play that fucking beat. We're gonna do blast beats, we're gonna do bomb blasts, we're gonna do but we're not gonna do that beat. Right. And or, you know, or we're going to do Slayer vocal styles, but we're going to do them with a different voice or we're going to, you know, whatever. And so they managed to keep a lot of the thrash aesthetics. Yeah. But they don't play Slayer riffs very much. Every now and again, there's a riff that's like, okay, that's kind of Slayer-ish, but it's very, it's very rare. Mm. And then also Frank Mullen, the guy, the 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 vocalist on all the records. Um, 
he doesn't just have a unique sound to his voice. He has very unique phrasing. No one, he kind of wrote the book on how you're supposed to phrase those kind of vocals. No one has phrasings, phrasing like he does. Mm. There's, there's a few people who sort of did that low percussive kind of thing, but nothing like he did and in, in 91, you know? Yeah. And so like the riffs are unique, the songwriting's unique, <laughs> the drumming's unique, the vocal, like every fucking piece of it is unique. And, uh, and they and every drummer that they've ever had has just been like a just fucking absolute monster. So you gotta be, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the original drummer is this dude named Mike Smith, um, who's just ferocious. And so the, he's the one who played on the the song "Entrails of You" because mm. I, I can't like give you some suffocation and not have Mike Smith on some of it. But just oh my god, it's just ferocious. It's just ferocious he's and i and i mean he's still precise i mean he's still very precise still very like these are composed drum parts he's not like going crazy yeah but he's you know there's a different thing that happens and then they you know doug bone plays on pierced with from within and um thrones of blood and that guy did a i feel like that guy does a really great job especially that early on that time period coming up with the drumming template of how you sort of marry their brutality and the technicality, mm. you know? Okay. So, because there were some sort of breakthroughs in the technicality of death metal drumming in the early nineties that happened with like Sean Reiner with human and, and stuff like that. And, and, but he, I feel like Doug bone did a really good job, especially on that record Pierce from within another iconic record sort of splitting the difference of, you know, how do you keep things brutal and groovy, but still have all this extra weird shit? Right. You know, bring on the weird shit, you know, but not losing any of the intensity. Yeah. Like not letting it get distracting in any way, but always having a little bit of weird in there. I can there. appreciate that. And so I feel like he's the one who sort of established, this is how you do that. And to me, you know. Yeah. So, and again, and Dave Colros, who played on a bunch of shit, it's just fucking, you know, that guy's a, again a monster and, and like, but, but in a different way, he's a different, some kind of monster. Yeah. Like Mike Smith is Jason Voorhees and Dave Colos <laughs> is Michael Myers. You know? Okay. Like if that means what you think it means, it gets a point across pretty well. Then. It's a different, it's a different kind of ferocity. Okay. It's like, it's a, it's a sneakier kind like a slow of slow brooding ferocity. It's, it's, it's a little colder. It's okay. a, it's a, you know what I mean? Um, Mike, when Michael Myers kills you, you don't know if he's feeling anything. <laughs> you know that Jason is feeling something when he kills you. Like he's, you know, he's, ah, you know, like Jason's a little more animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, J you know, Jason feels like he wants to kill you. Michael Myers <laughs> has to kill you. <laughs> And, th and that that maybe is the difference between uh, you know Dave Colros and Mike Smith. <laughs> I feel like you're uncovering some pretty profound differences against uh, between '80s horror genres here, '70s and '80s. That's going to be three episodes from now. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> um. But yeah. Um, I guess that's. That's so. I guess that's kind of that. 
And yeah, but yeah, I can't recommend these songs enough, especially the suffocation songs. Like there, there's, there's lots, there's a universe in each one of those songs. Multitudes. To, to, to chew on as to why this band is so weird and so brilliant and yet so fucking brutal. <laughs> and so, and somehow like all these amazing drummers, Eric, like fucking like just, it's like, well, I, I'll do all that. And so he's, he's like just laid back and precise about it. Like he's like a, he's like a drone pilot pilot. Like if, if there, if you could have like a drone pilot slasher movie, that would be what he is, you know, oh, like, like just, he, Cause he's just, he's just precise and just chill and laid back. Like he plays all this music and it doesn't even look like he's sweating or trying hard. Right. And, and it's, it's like, and it's not that he's being like lackadaisical about it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's, it's, it's, he's fully there. It's just, just makes it look easy. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so, damn. Yeah, and 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 I ha- another thing I have to say about this band, I say about these guys, is that well, you know, because when I signed it, when I took that lesson with Eric, man, I had a chance to you know briefly meet the rest of the dudes, and and man, they they just look. I don't I don't I don't give a shit how how big of a deal you think you are, how cool you think you are. Be nice to people because however big a deal you are, you're not as big a deal as the fucking guys in suffocation. Um, (laughs) Terrence Hobbs and Derek Boyer, those guys are legit legends. And those guys had, there's no reason they had no, there was no reason that, that those guys were as nice to me as they were. They didn't have to be nice to me. They didn't have to be welcoming to me. They didn't have, you know what I mean? Like I was just, I was just some dude who was paying their drummer to show him how to hit a practice pad. Right. You know, they didn't have to, you know, and like, they're like encouraging to me. Cause we're doing this lesson like backstage. Oh, cool. You know, before, before the show and everything like that. And like Derek comes around cause it, cause Eric was teaching me this, uh, this, uh, very specific, like double bass technique where you're using doubles instead of singles on the double bass. Like just like you when you're doing snare rolls on a snare drum. Yeah. You know, very precise, a, a technique that allows for insane precision. And uh and like Derek, I'm sitting there like working on this and like Derek, the bassist, you know, who's been in the band for like 20 years or some shit. He comes around the corner, this dude's a fucking legend. And he's like, "Is he getting it? Is he getting it? Oh, he's getting it." And he like, he's like, "Can I try?" <laughs> <laughs> so like Derek sits down he tries to fucking do it and he's like this like little dude and wear these big ass van sneakers and shit <laughs> and oh, man. you know and and then I end up talking to him like you know and like an hour later or something and he was I just it was so it was so moving that that these guys just went so far out of their way yeah like I mean just they like they were just putting in the effort to to when they didn't have to 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 be extremely fucking nice right and almost like maybe they were just good dudes and they just enjoy what they're doing yeah (laughs) yeah you know enjoyed other see enjoyed seeing other people you know right right you know get to do that sort of thing and they you know so it was just 
That's fucking awesome. Yeah, so I, I have nothing. I, I can't say enough good things about about this band. So, But yeah, like that, there's two bands who's maybe three who's, who's, who's like a logo will probably end up tattooed on my body sooner or later. <laughs> Machine Head, Suffocation, maybe Emperor. Okay. But definitely Machine Head and Suffocation. Okay. Like they're like one on each forearm probably or some shit, you know? <laughs> What is the suffocation logo? Um, I know what the machine head logo is. Yeah, let me <clears throat> let me find it for you. It's like an S with like a bunch of fucking crazy shit. Okay, all it's, around it. It's not um, like a cool S. Yeah, it's a cool S. Uh, I'll show it to it's, you. It's not a pillow. Um, well, that's not a good. That's not the good ones. Oh. <laughs> Whatever y'all can look it up. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll show it. it to Robert when we fucking yeah, I'll find it. Well, like 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 that that kind of thing there. Okay, um, that's cool. So that's a cool S. It's a cool S. Yeah. So uh, lots of so's and uhs. So this is probably maybe the most unprofessional episode so far, <laughs> <laughs> for various reasons. For various reasons, but you know, man, not everyone's gonna be perfect. No, uh, not at all. And I don't think anyone's expecting us to be. So, so I wouldn't worry about that too much. Right. Uh, but that does bring up another, I wanted to have some closing points here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About this list. Uh, yeah, because this kind of is a stopping point for this. Because we get to here, and after this, I'm like, well, shit. Maybe I'm not just into a few bands that happen to be death metal. Maybe I'm into death metal. Mm-hmm. And I start going down the rabbit hole. And then that's that's like a whole other topic, but that that's sort of whenever I, I it's like everything connects, and it's like oh I just this is just what I fucking like. It's like fucking death metal, you know. Took me twenty years to figure it out, um, <laughs> you know. So yeah, you got there. Yeah. Uh, but one of one of the things that struck me on, about this playlist over to the other one specifically is that uh, just the production was so much better, just across the board. Sure. Uh, and it's not surprising. As time goes on, technology right, gets better right, and more right, yeah. accessible, all this stuff. Yeah, the only song there was only there are very few songs on here that were even released in the nineties. Yeah. Like the suffocate the first few suffocation songs and the God Dethrone. Yeah. Songs. Like there were a couple things where it was like eh, questionable here and there, but by and large, everything sounded way like good. Mm-hmm. Way good. Uh but more importantly, more discernible. And I think that actually does a lot for me. Sure. I think it turns out. Um, I think that lets me hear a lot of the interesting shit that's happening a lot easier. Because maybe I don't have the ear to know what to look for a lot of the times with music like this. Sure. And that just puts it out there for me and says, here you fucking go. I, I, I mean, I think that's why the Demi Borgir song was so important to me. And and why Nick Barker's drumming on Cruelty and the Beast was so important. Because it's so like, oh yeah, it's typewriter drums. <clears throat> it sounds like shit. But I can I can hear it. Yeah. I can discern it. Yeah. You know, which I can't, I had, I mean, those same beats and those same things were on the Cryptopsy record and on the Nile record. Yeah. But I couldn't fucking tell what was going on yeah, in like, there. Like I can, I can tell what the drums are doing a lot more. I can hear, I can hear what the guitar is doing a lot mm-hmm. more, like cleanly. Mm-hmm. And despite not necessarily liking it a lot of the time, I can hear what the vocals are doing a lot more. <laughs> yeah. So it's, 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 it's important to some extent. Um, but also a lot of these tracks had a much more if not a better sense of feel a more defined sense of feel to me uh whereas a lot of the stuff like you were kind of alluding to earlier like 
can just be like spastic in a way. Sure. Uh, for you know, for better or worse, depending on you know what you're looking for. But to me, this like made a lot more sense. Yeah, uh, it's it, it yeah, like it's it's as as death metal and death metal inspired things were getting more away from the sort of like frantic <gasps> thing. Yeah. And it was okay, well we're going to do we're going to do that too. But we're going to do it to a click track and we're going to going to be perfect and every note of this counts and means something, so we have to try to capture it all. Yeah, yeah. You know, because we've been listening, you know, because you listen to Pantera also, and right. and you know, influences crept in, I guess. Yeah, because I think I think that really the '90s, like you look at the benchmark albums of the '90s, a lot of it was this sort of. It wasn't just upping the ante on what you were playing; it was the clarity of its presentation. Yeah. And so, and I feel like at this point you're still sort of on the upward upward tick of that and mm-hmm. i think that that sort of starts to crest in the late 2000s and and then it starts to kind of you know kind of like okay we've had enough of that let's do something else go back to the beginning or whatever right yeah 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 and i mean and it's it's still like like you're the production the pro, like for you to do a basic ass tech death record or a modern death metal record these days like a basic one your production level still has to be so high mm. and you have to play perfect. Like the playing has to be perfect. Yeah. So can't like, just can't do it. Can't we, fudge that. No, you can't kind of like just, Oh, we're just going to go for it really hard. And the intensity will matter. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, it'll so, come across. Yeah. So like some that's interesting, you know, what you're talking about is that there was a lot, there's live footage of the song Legion of Inveracity. It yeah. was, you know, one of the ones I sent you of Eric playing. That song was written in 1991. All those drum parts, all those guitar parts, yeah, all those vocal parts, all of it, written and recorded in 1991. Right. And and it, and it and it and it holds up. Sure. <laughs> it's yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. How you know how fucking brutal suffocation was right out of the fucking gate. <laughs> so. Brutality. So anyway, I think uh, is that is that is that it? That's that's all I got. Yeah. All right. That, that was cool. That was like you said, like I've said a number of times so far. Like, despite you warning me that this was going to be more or less diverse, I found it to be uh, more interesting in a lot of ways. Very cool. So very cool. Yeah. Yeah, you're starting to sort of see some of the subgenres get a little more codified. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, is is yep. the thing you're starting to see here. So, uh, so yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, appreciate it, and uh, yeah. we're gonna come back next week, and we're gonna we're gonna pick the controller up. I think is the plan. We're gonna go back and finish. We're gonna put down the the four and, and pick up the controller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Appreciate Peace. it. Peace. Thanks.